Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 56, Pelosi Steps Down. Nancy Pelosi has decided to step down as speaker and not reseek leadership. Hakeem Jeffries will most likely resume her role. Will this help progressive policies? And as you guys know, people kind of call in and talk about not just the topic at hand, but other things as well. So feel free to do so. This is your moment on the mic. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring in the first caller here, which is Karthik. Karthik, you're on the mic. What is going on? What's up, Savvy? Uh, well, I know, well, I'm I'm pretty sure most of us feel the same way about Hakeem Jeffries. Um, I, I, I saw Nick's Twitter today, and he posted a quote saying of, like, Hakeem Jeffries saying that, oh, I'm a strong progressive, and progressives are deeply opposed to democratic socialist policies. So I'm sure it's going to be a great ride. <laughs> I saw that post from from Nick too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, what I do know about Hakeem Jeffries, I know he's corporate. Um, he's. <sighs> I think he's part of the Progressive Caucus, maybe, but but many people are part of that. I, I could be wrong though. Yeah, a lot of people are a part of the Progressive Caucus that aren't progressive. Like, like I said, Jim Clyburn is a part of the Progressive Caucus, and so is uh, Ted Lieu. <laughs> and that uh, and that lady who beat Nina Turner, I forget, uh, Chantel Brown. And Chantel Brown, that's right. So, and we all know she's not progressive. Now, all of a sudden, she says she's for Medicare for all. She wasn't for it before when she ran the first time in the special election. So it's just a it's it's a joke. I think that. Um, See, this is why this is the was the danger, I think, of progressives running through the Democratic Party, because what does the Democratic Party do? They co-opt the term like they've done other things. And for people who are not aware, the Progressive Caucus, one of the co-founders was Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders had started something and basically he allowed the Democratic Party to change it to what they wanted it to be. And again, like I said, like this is why you can't do it through them. You can't do it through the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. You have to do it outside because otherwise they co-opted like they've done a lot of other things. Um, but how do you feel about Nancy Pelosi deciding not to reseek uh, leadership? Um, well, I, 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 I'm a little surprised or not surprised because obviously it had to happen eventually. But I, I know – well, she, I think she said this before actually like two years ago when she, when she got the speakership again during Force the Vote. Like she said, she was only going to be a speaker for one more term. Um, but I guess I'm a little surprised to see her like f- um, follow through on her promise. Even though, but, but, but she didn't promise to leave Congress. She just promised to leave the speakership. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm sure many people have thoughts about um, this uh, Hakeem Jeffries guy. But besides that, did you hear about the uh, new special counsel being appointed to investigate Donald Trump? His, this did. guy's name is Jack Smith. I did. I did. Yeah, and, what's, and, and what I love about this is that the people are so after – this Jack Smith guy ultimately like doesn't um, indict Donald Trump, which I would imagine is more likely because it just sets a bad precedent. Because if you can indict this uh, Donald Trump, then that means that's the president to indict many other politicians. Um, which and the only uh, the only time I can remember like rich people being in, indicted, whether it's Bernie Madoff or uh, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, is if they like steal money from other rich people, which Donald Trump hasn't. So that's why I think. Um, he he won't be indicted. 
Um, but also, so this guy, Jack Smith, he's actually prosecuted uh, uh, w- 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 war criminals from Eastern Europe, just not the West, and from not from America. Interesting. I wasn't aware of that. Um, I will say there's something that you mentioned that you just reminded me of. The fact that when she got the speakership or was going for the speakership last time, she said that she would only do it for two years. And you know what you just you just uh, basically brought to my attention? That basically, if she said she was only going to do it for two years, then the squad should have definitely forced the vote. Because if she was only going to be there for two years, what was the point anyway? Yeah, well... I'm sure uh, Hakeem Jeffries is, is going to do the exact same, uh, exact same, you know, push the same policies and stuff that uh, Nancy Pelosi will do. And also this Jack Smith guy. So uh, this everybody has like the perfect out to complain about Jack Smith because Jack Smith was actually appointed um, to be a, a U.S. attorney by Donald Trump in 2017. So when a year, two years when Donald Trump isn't indicted, People get to say, oh, my gosh, this guy was corrupt from the beginning. He was appointed by Donald Trump. Just like how people were yelling at Robert Mueller by saying he was a Republican the entire time. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I I forgot about Robert Mueller. Like, I forgot about him. Yeah, he was a lifelong Republican and people were acting like he was some sort of like, like principled progressive or something, especially TYT. Yes, they did. Um, I think that, you know. Like watching like the video footage, like it was eerie to me because it was a reminder that, listen, like people change. They've been changing since they've been going into Congress for years. So this wasn't like a new thing. Like people say one thing when they first get there and then they flip flop. And that's why I was telling people pay close attention to someone like AOC, because I see her doing the same flip flop that Nancy Pelosi did. Oh yeah, um, and I would say because I I I know you're from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I would say that in some ways I feel like uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren has changed too because I feel like before she got in the Senate, she seemed to be more oppositional. Like she tried really hard to get the um, what's it called, the CPB Consumer CFPB, yes. and um, and she got into politics opposing Joe Biden in the nineties. And now she just seems like another Democrat. So people shows how power does change people. But what people have to know, too, about Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren was Republican. She was a Republican first. And then later on, she changed over to being a Democrat. And Elizabeth Warren, the reason why she won the first time, and I think this isn't talked about as much. But the reason why she won the first time is because the younger people really showed up to vote for Elizabeth Warren. When she ran against Scott Brown, that first election that she had, that was a very close race. And it was the younger people that showed up to support Elizabeth Warren because she was speaking out against student loan debt back then. And she said, listen, the American students here, they should not be held hostage over a massive amount of debt. And if they can bail out Wall Street, they can bail out uh, student loan debt. So she was doing that back when she ran for Senate the first time. And I don't know if a lot of people were aware of that, but like those of us here in Massachusetts, we saw her on local news all the time and she was giving those speeches. So that's the thing about her, though. I kept saying this back then. She's not really progressive per se. Like, yeah, she did want to fight back against um, 
the, the credit card companies and student loans and stuff like that. But you have to remember where she did come from. She was a Republican and she is very much a capitalist. And she will tell you that she's she's still a capitalist. Oh, yeah, I remember she's, that in the primary. She said that. Yeah, like she's not to the to the extent of Bernie Sanders. Like she still is a, a capitalist. And even Elizabeth Warren, what really made me what really turned me off about her is that she tried to use like <laughs> a misogynistic smear against Bernie Sanders by making up the story saying that Bernie said a woman will never can never be president. Now, does that sound like something to you that Bernie Sanders would have said to her? Like, no, yes. like that? No, it doesn't. So it just she tried to use that when she started slipping in the polls. And that right there let me know exactly who Elizabeth Warren really was, that even she was willing to go to those lengths to smear someone who was supposed to be her best friend, which she said, like, Bernie's like my best friend. She had his back until she started slipping in the polls. So then she decided to make up lies about him. Elizabeth Warren cannot be trusted. She is 100% a snake. She knew she had no chance against Bernie Sanders on Super Tuesday, and she stayed in anyway. And that was on purpose. And people have to really understand that. They were asking, we were asking her to leave. We were asking her to step down. And she stayed in anyway because that was the whole plan was to disrupt the fact that Bernie Sanders would might beat Joe Biden on Super Tuesday. She oh. messed a lot of things up. Well, speaking about how there were close races with her and Scott Brown, like I've been noticing that like last few years there's been like many close races or races where like Republicans won in the Northeast, like Vermont and Massachusetts. Like, what? Wh why do you think that is? Money. Oh yeah, for 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 the governor's race. It's just very expensive to live here. Like it's 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 become more and more expensive every year. And people are just tired of it. And so a lot of the older people that are from Massachusetts, they end up moving further south. Same thing with New York. They end up moving further south because the cost of living here is just ridiculous now. So they're just like, look, I'm going to Florida where I don't have to deal with all these these property taxes and things like that. Right. So that's part of it. So a lot of like the working class families and, and poor families here that grew up in the Boston area in Massachusetts, they see how bad things have changed. And so that's why we ended up with the Republican governor last time around, uh, Governor Baker. That's why we went from a, a Democrat governor, Deval Patrick, to a Governor Baker, because people were tired that the prices, the cost of living, like the public transportation is still a mess and has been falling apart for years. So people were like, okay, let's swing in the other direction and let's give a Republican a chance. So that's been happening more so. Um, I do think, you know, generally still Massachusetts is, is blue. There are progressive pockets, but the progressive pockets here weren't even enough to put Bernie Sanders through uh, the top to the top um, of that Super Tuesday race because of the fact that Elizabeth Warren stayed in and she smeared him um, with misogyny. And some people believe the smears, like even some of my friends, I had to tell them, I was like, guys, you know, she's lying, right? But like they believed it. And so they voted for Elizabeth Warren. And so that split the Bernie vote. So there's that. But a lot of it is just it's economic, like. People are tired like they want you have some people who want to support the social issues, but at the same time, like they look at their their bank account and they're like, look, like I'm being hit with these taxes is ridiculous. They don't call us tax for nothing. So shocked that she didn't win Massachusetts because I was shocked that she got third place when she ran. That was really surprising to me. 
No, I knew she wouldn't win Massachusetts. Um, she didn't. She's not as well liked here as people would think. Surprisingly, uh -oh. like when she ran for the second time, her opponent was a Trump uh, Republican. And his name is Jeff Deal. He ran again this time, not for um, not for Senate, but he ran for the uh, gubernatorial race. He lost again. This guy can't get past 36 percent of the vote. So the first time she ran, it was very close when she ran against Scott Brown. He's more of a moderate Republican. The second time she ran, when she ran against Jeff Deal, who is a Trump Republican, it was not close. So but I think what people have to understand is the reason why she won the second time around is because her opponent was a Trump Republican. And as a Trump Republican, you don't do well in Massachusetts. So that's that's why she was able to to get over like that. But I think that people do need to understand Elizabeth Warren is not well loved here. Like the people who typically tend to like her are like the Harvard like students, like because she used to teach at Harvard. So like the Harvard Cambridge area, like the hipster, you know, professional academic elite, those people tend to love Elizabeth Warren. But outside of that, like working class people, poor people just be like, who? Because they never see her. They never see her Carthage. She's not in their communities, in their neighborhood. She lives in Cambridge. Okay, I hear you. Good talk, Savvy. Before I go, do you have any thoughts on Jack Smith, the guy who's going to investigate Donald Trump on many that'll, things? That'll be really interesting, but I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think they're actually going to get Trump. I don't think Trump's going to go to jail. If anything, yes. he may have to pay fines, but I don't think we're going to see Donald Trump in jail. Yeah, because it's a bad precedent for the other politicians, and, and, and they don't want to go to jail. Um, but yeah, I just think it's going to end up in a like uh, like in, in nothing, like how Russia with Robert Mueller ended, and then they're gonna blame this guy again, and they're gonna act like that, like they weren't like supporting the whatever investigation. Anyway, yeah, good talk. Thanks. Thanks so much, Karthik. All right, we are going to bring in uh, Zach. Zach, you are on the mic. What's happening? Hey, Shabby, how's it going? Going great. How are you? I'm doing good. Um. I, uh, just the, for the topic for the show, uh, I'm not surprised that, um, I just dropped her name, but the, the speaker Pelosi, um, is stepping back from leadership. I, you know, politicians are egotistical, so I, I would think that, uh, she could be building her, her rep, maybe per, to say, um, you know, in the party doing wheeling and dealing. And then I, I kind of feel like that's kind of what Ro Khanna does. He has a good image because he's always being a politician. Um, and she's that kind of person. And when the house inevitably goes back to blue, because it always swings, she'll probably run and win, um, win for the speaker again, because, you know, she has experience and, uh, all the, um, buzzwords like that. Sorry if you hear my dog. <laughs> um, no, like I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I think that people also, also should be aware that for a while now, it has been discussed that Nancy Pelosi's daughter 
is being groomed to come into the house as well. Mm, that's interesting. Um, uh, what nep uh, kind of a nepotism, you know, scenario? Yeah, guys, we have to talk about these uh, dynasties, these political dynasties. I don't like that. I really don't like political dynasties. I don't think it's a good idea. The Clintons, the Bushes, the Pelosi's. And you have to remember Nancy Pelosi's father was also a politician. He was the mayor yep. of Baltimore. Um, and there was also discussions of some possible corruption there. Um, but I think that uh, you have to look at someone too, like Gavin Newsom. He's also related to Nancy Pelosi, I believe by marriage. So we have to be really careful about these political dynasties. So like if someone like Gavin Newsom runs for president, you guys need to already know he's going to have a lot of support from the Democratic Party and from donors because he's related to Pelosi. Yep. Um, you know, that we have our, our solutions for that term limits, um, getting rid of money in politics. So we got to keep fighting for that and make sure it happens. And uh, like we've been talking about for the past few weeks, um, maybe even doing state initiatives one by one if we have to. I, I think that's um, what we have to consider to get these legacy uh, people. Like, it sucks, right? Because maybe they're not all bad people. I have a different opinion than that. But when, they, when, you're, when you have that much power, you're going to get lazy and the people aren't going to get their needs met. That's right. That's that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, I know someone just said in the chat, uh, Gavin relates related to uh, Pelosi. Didn't know that. Oh yes, absolutely. That's how he and I believe that's probably how he got the push that he got to become governor of California. It's For sure connections, but because it's even like not even just with like regular jobs. You know what they say? It's all about who you know. Same thing in politics. It's all about who you know, and if you're coming from a political family, you're going to have an edge that the average working class person is not going to have if they run for that same position. And I just get very worried about political dynasties. And even, and I, I hate to say it, but even as beloved as they were, even with the Kennedys, I mean, we had that problem here in Massachusetts. Like it was this Kennedy runs and another Kennedy runs and another one, another one. And Dude, in the political dynasties, man. Yeah, it's like we know how much money you guys make just that like not that i'm tired of seeing your face but go go do some work <laughs> for your community instead of this politics thing. well it's like with money that they have like if i had those resources and i had that money i would be trying to change the world oh yeah like i, I, I think about that on a daily yeah, I wouldn't want to run for office. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at the, like the energy, the the resources and the networking that MLK had, right? Do you do you guys think if Martin Luther King were still alive today, do you think he would have run for office? No, because he already knew. So he that's that's a dangerous mind experiment because of uh characters like John Lewis. I've actually in the past few years, um I've thought about that, like, wow, would neoliberalism, would the the social order of this capitalism have, I mean, we already saw what it did, you know, the, the current often. So would, would he have blunted his message um, if he wouldn't have been assassinated? I, I don't believe so, but 
that that's been a question that's a good question some of the civil rights activists have uh toned down their message the ones that are still alive i have no hate for it it's it's what happens when you have to live in this just gross capitalistic world you, to get by your brain changes you get comfy with um the the money to interest and you're not as much as a of a you know a spear against what we would consider the bad parts or evil parts of society right and and the other thing too was that you know the reality is neoliberalism really took a hold it really did like after the civil rights leaders were were killed neoliberalism really you know crept into communities and said hey this is our way towards rights and then another thing that we've talked about on rbn as well is that some of the black boomers sold out man it's like they got their homes they got their you know they got the voting rights they got their houses and they sold out and so those of us that were generations coming behind them when we talk about fighting for something Sometimes they'll look at us and just tell us that, like, you guys should be happy with what you have or you need to work harder or pull yourself up out the bootstraps. Your generation is lazy. You guys don't want to work hard. Some of these are some of the same people who, like, march with Dr. King. And it's just like, do you not remember or do you just not want to remember? And then you look around economically and you realize, oh, that's right. See, you guys got your houses. Mm -hmm. You guys didn't have to deal with a weight housing crisis. Like, you guys have generational wealth in, in book day. Right. Didn't have to deal with student loan debt because not as many of them have student loan debt like we did. Like it's just classes cost two dollars. That's right. That's right. And sometimes they just don't understand. And I'm like, they're like, well, I got a house like I did. I worked hard and I got a house. You can do the same thing. I'm like, are you even looking at how things have have declined economically? And when you look at the wages that we're earning right now, it did not adjust for inflation. We're way behind what our parents were making at our age. So I think that's a big part of the problem. It's hard to get people to get out there and fight, even the ones that were fighters back then, because a lot of them, like they're older now and they're just like, look, I I did my activism. It's your turn. And that's yeah, that's, that's a hard part. That. That, that, that's kind of boutique activism right there. That I did my part. Now it's time for you that you hear that from the older generation that I, I, I give this to the younger people. Right, exactly. And then it's the problem with the younger people trying to just do it on our own is that we, we have been, again, a lot of us have been brainwashed and conditioned by neoliberalism. We have been convinced that all we have to do is go out and vote their generation wasn't convinced of that. Their generation knew the system was already flawed, but now we have decades of people being conditioned, believing that voting is their way forward, even though the majority of Americans that don't, don't vote. And so it's really hard to mobilize people unless it's something that is very much in their face, that is national news or global news, that they can't help but ignore it. And that's why uh, the George Floyd protests were so uh, large. Because that was really in your, you couldn't ignore it. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing about it. So everybody knew about it. But now it's just like, if you just don't have like that type of, of media attention, it doesn't even get the word out. Look, we, we had those marches for Medicare for all in the country last year, 50 cities across the country. 
I didn't expect mainstream media to cover it. But the fact that we couldn't even get some of the independent medias to cover it or even discuss it or even promote it. Yeah, the violent repulsion against it. Right. That was very telling to me. Like, for all those years that TYT told you to fight for Medicare for all, they would not promote the event. So it's just, it's, that's a big part of the problem. That's why I'm telling you, like, the general, the people that we have now, they may say, yeah, we need to fight, but they're talking about fighting politically. Mm. They're talking about fighting with your vote or fighting as running as a candidate and getting in there and changing things. They're not talking about fighting in the streets. They're not talking about doing sit-ins. They're not talking about doing boycotts. They don't want to get their hands dirty. And that's the big difference. Like Americans now have become very comfortable in the sense that they feel if they are just expressing how they feel online, then they're doing their part. If they go to a protest and take a picture, then they did their their part. But when the protest ends, they stop fighting. And that's exactly what happened with George Floyd. And that's exactly what has happened with a lot of these other protests. There'll be that one protest and people will do it. But then, then again, next thing you know, they don't continue the fight. The fight stops. So that's a big part of the problem. The civil rights movement was not just one action. They had action after action for years and they were willing to get beaten by the police. They were willing to be thrown in jail. We don't have that now. So that's a big part of the problem. I agree. Um, there's one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. I Rokana specifically the last part of your show, but before that, um, I just wanted to uh, tell everyone listening that uh, Denny's is doing this Black Friday promotion uh, where they're going to be selling like 150 t-shirts for like $6.99. Um, and uh, it's on their website. You can learn more information. Um, uh, you get free breakfast for a year. I'm I'm like going to try to be buying like a hundred of them or as many as I can get. And I'm going to take them down to the local homeless shelter. If, if you're interested in a action like that, um, I, it would be really cool uh, to go on Denny's and maybe uh, next Friday, uh, try to get your hands on one and, and we could put something together. That would be really cool. I didn't know about that. Um, I, I I will say this though, Denny should not be selling t-shirts to people. Denny I agree. Money that they could just give people free breakfast. Like that's the thing with them. Like, but um, I, I feel like Denny's is just trying to make a profit because what's going to happen is more people are going to buy more t-shirts. So instead of someone buying one t-shirt, they may buy like 50 t-shirts. So they're going to make more money. So they're going to make that money back. So you're yeah. really getting a free breakfast. We'll see. I'm I'm really I'm really hopeful that this can work out the way I want it to. I I'm I'm kind of a dreamer, but if I can if I can get my hands on two or three of them and give them away to my homeless shelter down down the road for me, and they get free breakfast, I would I would really love it. Um, uh, the the last thing I will say, um, I was shocked at the last part of your show, um, when Rokana said, I I don't know a verbatim, but he was saying that with the Republicans almost taking over that him and the Democrat minority, they're still going to fight to fund this war. And it really gave me the feeling, the flavor that um, he was talking about. And I know, we know it, it is an American war, but um, 
funding the war on terror. Like we we're in this war. We have troops on the ground. It really took me aback, and I, I was really shocked about it. I I wanted to uh, talk to you about that for a couple minutes. Yeah, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, Rokana has been a hundred percent behind the funding um, that has been sent to Ukraine. I've never once heard him complain about the amount of funding that's been sent either. And here we go, mm-hmm. another thirty-seven point seven billion that they're trying to send out the door to Ukraine. He's been a hundred percent supportive of it, and. I I did question him about that when he came onto my show. I said, we're seeing billions go out the door to Ukraine, but I don't see any of that money going to the American people. And he came up with, well, we did the American Rescue Act and we did the da-da-da. That's pennies compared to what they have given to to people in Ukraine. And I think, you know, hopefully, I have this feeling it's not going to be until a couple years from now when people are going to look back on this the same way they looked back on the war in Iraq and realize that, this was just a freaking mistake. It was a bad idea and a mistake. And it's going to take that time. Most people right now are not going to get it, Zach. I got to tell you, I know just I... same thing with the war in Iraq. Most people at that time did not see it. It won't be until a couple years from now where people will look back on it and realize, did we really need to give them all that money? Yeah, it's it's really sick because it's like, come on, man. We, we got to break like the wheel has to break like i'm the history keeps repeating itself and repeating itself and it's like what 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 can we even do <laughs> yeah but this is why i tell people you don't have to vote for them yes like this is why they don't deserve it they really don't like what what have they done for us have they met any of our demands have any of the progressive policies been passed where's the medicare for all you know, so even with just someone like AOC, just because, you know, AOC doesn't have a challenger. She doesn't have a strong challenger against her in her district. Somebody, if, if you're listening and you're in AOC's district, somebody needs to challenge AOC. Like, and I mean that because here's the thing. She ran heavily on Medicare for all. All of them did. And I don't see them pushing it. They don't even talk about it that much anymore. So it's a big part of the problem. And my thing is, it's like, if we're not getting progressive policies passed now, it has been six years since Bernie Sanders ran the first time. Why are we still voting for them and keeping them in? That is so true. Well, uh, I think I got my points out and it was really good to talk to you. I'll let um, the other callers uh, have their chance. Sabby, thanks for letting me call in. Thanks so much, Zach. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Brent. And I will tell you guys, this is one of those things I said after force the vote when they wouldn't force the vote. Everybody should have been calling for them to be primary challenged. This is why they know they don't have to really do anything because they know, oh, they're still going to support us regardless. But they should have been primary challenged if they weren't going to fight for Medicare for all. All of them. Go ahead, Brent. Hi, Sabi. Hey, how are you? Good, good. So um, today I was watching the Vanguard uh, shit on some YouTubers, you know, the usual. And um, they were shitting on, uh, I believe it was Kurt Metzger and Jimmy Dore and some other guy I'm not really familiar with. Basically, um, Jimmy Dore and Kurt Metzger, they seem to believe that Russia was provoked. And my concern, I'm a huge Jimmy Dore fan and it's starting to concern me a little bit because um, I was attracted by Jimmy Dore's anti-war message. 
And um, I just want to be clear that um, the U.S. I'm very well aware of the U.S. involvement, like the encroachment of NATO, the corruption of, of Ukraine. And I feel that it's unacceptable that we're voting to send billions of dollars to Ukraine. I feel like um, we should be using that money here. But the fact that he he doesn't acknowledge that um, Russia's invasion um, of Ukraine was is unjustified. It's, it's, it's criminal. And, um, I don't, maybe you could explain to me, but how you could, how can you be anti-war yet feel that Russia was justified to invade Ukraine? Um, maybe I have to go to one of Jimmy's shows and do, um, another one of my protests. I don't know, but, um, I just want to know from you, how could you be anti-war yet support Russian, the Russian invasion? Um, Maybe you could give me some insight into that. Well, first and foremost, you should not take foreign policy advice from the vanguard. First and foremost. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. right. Yeah. I, I was just listening to them. And, and um, yeah, you they were basically um, talking. And I disagree with some of the stuff they were saying. But, yeah, yeah. I don't... Yeah, when it comes to this type of stuff with foreign policy, it's best to listen to the foreign policy experts. So, like, for example... Right. Um, Noam Chomsky has talked about this uh, multiple times. I would definitely recommend checking out the interview that he did with uh, Chris Hedges. And I know he did another one. Um, oh, the one he did with uh, use at Useful Idiots. Uh, check out that one as well. Um, he's a good one to listen to about this. I also highly recommend listening to um, there was another another episode recently of useful idiots where they talked to norm uh finkelstein um even he is is against this like so listen to what he said on that episode uh but you should really listen to the people who can give you both sides of the perspective that can give you uh russia's side and ukraine's side yeah, i debate i called into aaron's show multiple and and I, I i agree with him the most because what um the ukraine corruption is it's they're not completely innocent in this and nor is the u the u.s should not be getting involved in other people's other countries uh foreign affairs um i believe mm -hmm. but at the same time like to not acknowledge that um invading another country is not justified. I mean, I don't know how hard that could be to acknowledge that. And that's just kind of concerning to me, um, being a Jimmy Dore fan that, and he's preaching anti-war that he doesn't acknowledge, specifically address that at least a couple times. Well, you Aaron, should, like, yeah. well, Aaron Mate has talked about this often. Oh, yes. And, and yeah, Aaron, and I, and, yeah. That even I Aaron has said that Russia should not have invaded. Even Aaron Mate right. has said that. So I think it's good to get different perspectives about this. And I, I say this to everyone, like, don't just listen to one person, right, um, their opinion about this. But the point that I think is important to note is that this all goes back to NATO. Okay. So for, for those of us who are aware of the Berlin wall. So like I was in Germany when the Berlin wall fell. So I remember this very well. And the speech that was given was the fact that NATO was not supposed to 
expand after the fall of the Berlin Wall. NATO decided to expand anyway. That is why there's even this conflict between Russia and Ukraine, because they expanded and they weren't supposed to. So you had Ukraine inching and inching upon Russia's border. Now, there's a lot more that goes into this in reference to details. So I think it's important to listen to people and not just journalists here in the U.S. You need to listen to journalists abroad as well. Uh, Wyatt Reed is actually on the ground there. He's someone that you should listen to. Scott Ritter has talked about this as well. It's important that you hear both sides, though, because the problem that we have in the United States is that most people are not hearing Russia's side. Mainstream media is only talking about Ukraine side. And that's why you have a lot of Americans here with these Ukraine flags in their bio about a conflict that they think they know about, but they don't really know about. Most people that I've talked to, when I tell them, well, you do realize that this has been an issue for the past eight years. They're like, what? They don't even know about that. When I tell them that NATO expanded, causing this to be an issue in the first place, most people don't know about that. Most people don't know about the Nazi, the Nazis in the Azov Battalion in Ukraine. And by the way, some people are saying it's just a few. It's not just a few. And this is not to say that Russia does not have Nazis. Yeah, there's racism in Russia as, as well. But before I did that segment about the African students that in Ukraine, they were trying to leave and they wouldn't let them get on the train to leave. Before I did that segment about the warning that came from the U.S. Peace Corps telling black students do not go volunteer in Ukraine because this is what is going to happen to you. Most people did not know about that. So the, the racism issue, it's been a problem for a long time. And for people to just sit back and say, oh, it's only a few Nazis or, oh, that's not true. That's bullshit. It's more than just a few Nazis. And the fact that you have Americans here cheering them on and they have a freaking badge that has a Nazi symbol on it and people can't see past the propaganda. It just shows you just how propagandized Americans are. People here, for the most part, don't know how to think for themselves. They think about what they see on mainstream media, and that's the opinion that they form. And they believe they're being told the truth. And I sat there, and I remembered listening to the Iraq war on mainstream media. And I believed I was being told the truth. And here it was years later, you found out it was all a lie. So that's something to take in, in, into mind and to take note. I don't side with any side on this particular issue. I think Russia, Ukraine, and the United States are all in the wrong uh, based on what I have read and what I have seen. But I will say this very much so. You do have to understand that the only reason that this was even discussed on the Vanguard was to take a shot at Jimmy Dore. Right. It wasn't really about Russia. It wasn't really about Ukraine. It was to get clicks and views and to take a shot at Jimmy Dore. That's what this is about. Right, absolutely. And um, I'm getting a lot of criticism from your comments. But I mean, um, I, that's why I, I look, I watch mainstream media, I know they're, they're biased. So I try to do as much research and I can as I can. And I feel like, uh, yeah, the US is definitely uh, wrong. They should, I don't know, they should be negotiating for peace, not f sending billions of dollars. I mean, that, that makes no sense to me. And um yeah, there's no there's no innocent side in this, and um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to put that out there, and it's it's a very it's not a cut and dry as mainstream media puts it. Like the U.S. has a, a history of 
um, invading and getting involved in the Middle East. So um, the U.S. is not innocent either. So it's it's just it's just a huge mess, and we should be um, speaking on your the topic. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, he's voting for more for billions of dollars, and so he's he's just another corrupt politi- uh, Democrat. So he's yeah. not he's no better than Nancy Pelosi. So yeah. I just want to say that. And, and I wish there was more attention on the fact that the U.S. is trying to intervene in Haiti. Uh, I hear a lot of talk about the European countries that are being affected across the world. But we need to also talk about the fact that the U.S. government has been you know, polluting and has been ravaging countries like Somalia and countries like Yemen and countries like Syria. And now they're trying to ruin Haiti again. So the U.S. country is not just about the, the, mil- the Middle East. They have tried to destroy several countries in the world because the U.S. wants to be that military power. Like they want to dominate the world. And I think it's really sad because mainstream media has everyone's attention on Russia and Ukraine. And I don't hear them say a damn thing about Haiti. I don't hear them say anything about Somalia, about kids being starving in Somalia because of the U.S. government's actions and the drone strikes that have been dropped down on Somalia. And then Yemen, the too. Government. Yemen, too. And, I mean, in it's Yemen, like, and in Yemen and the U.S. government still supporting Saudi Arabia, giving them arms, which caused this in the first place. I don't hear them say a damn thing about the starving kids in Afghanistan because of the sanctions that have been put on people in Afghanistan by the U.S. government. But they continue to talk about the European countries. That's a problem. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Um, I, I'll let the, um, the other callers uh, speak. So All right, thank you. OK, cool. All right. We're going to bring in. Uh, Brady, you are on the mic. What's good, humans? Um, so I'm a little confused about the Nancy Pelosi situation. I thought that initially, <laughs> oh, damn, she's stepping down. It must have something to do with, like, her husband or this new Hunter Biden report. Um, but then someone told me that it was just a, a very natural passing of the torch that happens after the election. So yeah. what is the reason? What's going on there? So when she decided to to run for Speaker of the House for 2020, right? Originally, she said that she would only do it for two years. But I think the thing is, like, a lot of people are just like, yeah, whatever, because <laughs> politicians say this and then they, they end up staying, right? Or they end up doing it again. So that, I just want to put that out there. Like, she did say that, like, back then. Um, But the other thing is the fact that in her speech, she said that it is time for a new group to come forward. So uh, unfortunately, it looks like that person is going to be Hakeem Jeffries. I mean, he's not a real progressive per se. He's corporate. I mean, it's not like it's going to be like this radical person that comes forward to take that spot. Um, But the position that he'll be going into is minority leader, not Speaker of the House, because Republicans got back the House. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I thought it might be in reference to the whole, like, things coming apart at the seams for a second there, which is kind of interesting when you look. um, Are you familiar with the Marco Polo report? I'm not. Oh, my goodness. You will be. (laughs) So, um, like, some conservative think tank guys got together. These guys used to work for the Trump administration and they put together a 600 page report on Hunter Biden's laptop. And it had, it puts together a list of like 
450 prosecutable crimes against Hunter Biden. And then also a list of crimes that uh, Joe Biden himself is involved in, including like espionage stuff, human trafficking, like some really wild stuff. But oh, yeah. Wait. So this is the investigation into Joe Biden, right? Yes. And Hunter okay. Biden as well. OK. And, um, they get they released it to every member of the House, the Senate, um, the uh, investigators. And then they also released it to every contact on the laptop. <gasps> yes yes and then they, they they also released it to all of hunter biden's ex-classmates along with a memo that said something to the effect of like hey we believe that this school that you guys all attended had some effect on why hunter biden is so popular today we'd love to know anything you guys know so they're asking for people to start coming forward and yeah stories are starting to come out of the woodwork right now I'm going to have to look into that. Um, I do know, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to talk about the Hunter Biden story on, on YouTube because mm. they've censored, they censored my last one. Mm. Um, but I do know, do let me check something rumble? really quick. It's time for a new place to hang out. It's a limited hangout over there. We can't. We yeah, can't I'm on Rumble too. I, it would have to be Rumble and Rockfin only, but there was something I did see today and I'm wondering if this is all connected um, because I sent it to the rest also, of the Nancy guys Pelosi's at RBM. Husband. There's new information out about her husband and that weird thing with Depape that happened recently as well. Well, this came across my way uh, before I went live, and it says, breaking, dozens of court documents related to late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein's associates, including billionaire hotel magnet, will be unsealed. After judge rules, the public interest outweighs right to privacy. So I wonder if this is all connected. I think it really seems like things are coming apart at the seams right now. And unfortunately, this is all happening in favor of uh, Donald. You know, um, there's not a lot of this criticism being levied against Donald. This is all kind of working out in his favor. So it's very important that we all focus on tying all of this to Donald at the same time as we're tying it to the evil Democrats or whatever. Um, and that's easily done with Roy Cohn, Bill Barr, uh, Alan Dershowitz. Those three names alone are enough to make any Donald worshiper blush um, and shut down any argument they have about protecting children. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, keep it, keep it, stay focused guys. Um, I think it's happening. <laughs> it might be happening. <laughs> keep, I'm telling you, listen, like if that list is released, you know, people might be surprised some of the names that come out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass the joint, but uh, I appreciate everything you're doing, Sabby. Um, highly effective. I see you. How was the Women's March? The Women's March? Yeah, did, you, did you do like a new Women's March? You're talking about, you're talking about, maybe you haven't done it yet. It's on uh, Jimmy Dore. You were talking about like, maybe I looked at an old video the other day. I oh, yeah, that was an old video. <laughs> I think I saw an old video. Yeah, I was like, what are they talking about a new women? Okay, anyway, yeah. I'm going to get updated and I'll get back to you later. I'm sorry. I'll pass the joint. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and bring in Red. You're here. Red is in the house. Hey, yo, what's the word, Savvy? <laughs> oh, my God. It's been, a it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I appreciate Brady for passing the joint. Lord knows I need one right now. <laughs> I ain't got all the energy I usually have when I'm on here. 
uh, it's been a minute. I've been, but I've been going through it. Like, fuck. I hear you. I hear you. How are you? How are you feeling about all of this? Nancy Pelosi deciding not to reseek leadership, so she's not going to be the minority leader in the House, but she'll still be in Congress. Man, I've been going through it so bad. It's like I just have to do like a crash catch up on like all this politics shit now. It's just like <laughs> I had, I, I was going like when I'm telling you, I was going through it. I'm like going through it, savvy. Like send help going through it. That's how kind of bad it's been. I'm going through it, but uh, like for this, honestly, I'm not kind of surprised. At first, I kind of thought like. Yeah, maybe she's just getting out of the way because Trump may be making his way back. And it's just like, she's like, nope, nope. I'm too old to deal with the circus again. I'm not, I can't do it. I can't. I, all, all my best tricks I pulled out with the little sassy clap and the ripping of the speech. And this guy will just continue to upshow me and upshow us. I, I'm I'm out. <laughs> Let somebody else be bothering to deal with this. It is. But, it is interesting that she announced this right after Trump announced he's running for president again. <laughs> she was just, yeah, she was just like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Nah, hell, hell no, I'm not sitting. Nope. <laughs> but I also kind of got like a weird theory. Like, I kind of feel like the nature of politics is honestly starting to shift right now. Like, it's, like maybe not now, but maybe depending on after this next vote. Like maybe after this next election, maybe so like in another six years or so, I kind of feel like it. I kind of feel like the politics is going through a shift, and what I feel like what Nancy is doing is probably like a bat signal to like maybe all the other corporate Democrats. It's just like, I right, look, we can only run this corruption train so long before shit, before some shit getting ready to really start hitting the fan. We might want to have to cash out right now and get out because it's about to start getting real ugly out here. Did you say a bat signal like Batman? <laughs> yep. She's in the bat signal like all other corporate Democrats. Because it's like, here's my here's my theory. Because it's like, okay, after those, after Joe Biden, who, who can the Democrats really, who can the Democrats really run that will really make noise? <sighs> Has wore off like way faster than like anybody probably expected. And so I don't really see anybody who they can name. They saying like I'm. We, it's like we, you know, the, you hear the names Kamala Harris, people to judge. The motherfuckers ain't gonna last two minutes in the South. Gavin Newsom. Anything <laughs> with anything with a Democrat is already bad enough. But if you a Democrat from Cali, they are gonna be like, oh hell no. <laughs> it's, it's so bad that they're even saying my governor in Illinois. They're like, oh maybe we can get JB to run. I mean, I'm. I'm Appreciative to JB for like legalizing weed, but like I wouldn't go for that motherfucker to be running the country and shit. <laughs> so it's like there's no there's no more. And it's like the fun the funny thing is is that none of these motherfucking names that I just named, none of them I don't feel none of them could beat Trump in a general election, like head to head. It's barely a toss up between Trump and Biden. But if Ron DeSantis was to run, I'll be real, like, I don't think any I don't think any of those names could beat him, and I'm not throwing and I'm not I'm not throwing Bernie in because we're we're, <laughs> we're moving on. With, but even if we're not being realistic, they rat these people rather will hand this country over to the Republicans than like let a real one in than to try to let a real one in. But right. 
So, I mean, yeah, I just feel like it's weird because it's like this Trump era presidency was kind of like a blip in like the neo-lib times and whatever. But I feel like after that, I, it's like, where's where's this shit going to go after that? It's like, I feel that's what the Dems own. It's like Nancy Pelosi's probably just like, nope, let me cash my money out right now. <laughs> and live my, let me cash my money out right now and live my life, you know, to all them lobbies and to all these corporations and to all these... The only thing that makes me think my theory isn't, like, why well, I'm not 100% on it is if America can find itself in another, like, unnecessary war where it's, like, actual boots on the ground. Not this... Not this instigating shit that we're on with, like, Ukraine and Russia because... The right. only thing we're getting... The only thing we're getting out of this shit is just some supposed get back for Hillary Clinton not running a good campaign. <laughs> so, yeah. Listen, let me tell you, Red, Kamala, you mentioned Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, to me, she reminds me of like one of those classmates from high school that you might accidentally run into at the grocery store. Like say you visiting your parents and you ain't really trying to see nobody and you just visiting your parents for the holidays and then your mom's like, go to the grocery store. Can you pick this up? You go to the grocery store and then you run into her. And it's the classmate that like is really fake. And but they want to pretend like they're not fake. And they'll come up to you and go, hey, girl, how have you been? We should get together. And they never mean that you should get together. That's what Kamala Harris reminds me of. She reminds me one of them classmates from high school that you know damn well is not trying to get together with anybody and they're really fake and they probably just start talking about you once you walked away. That's what she reminds me of. She doesn't have a chance. She couldn't even get like a single delegate when she was running last time. So it's like <laughs> the fact that they even mention her, I'm like, are you guys brain dead? You guys really? Then they're like, well, we'll go for Pete Buttigieg. Pete, Pete can't even win the South, bud. Neither one of them can win the South. Not in two minutes. Why they can't really run it through the Midwest, neither? No. I don't know. What was that cheating shit they did? And I don't know. What was that cheating shit they did in Iowa? Because <laughs> I got a cousin that lives in Iowa. And he was just like, I don't know, I don't know anybody that voted for that motherfucker. No, no. But, he, but, you know, they came back later on and announced that Bernie Sanders had won Iowa. See, that was another thing that they did, like Pete, for him to announce that he won and they didn't even have all the votes in yet. Again, that was just another ploy. I'm like, Bernie, you still simp for these dudes. You still help the Democrats after they did you like this, after how they played you. No, fuck that, man. Uh, who you telling? I, I, that was part of like one after that one. That one, that one was a, that was a tough appeal to swallow in 2016 because it was just like, mm-hmm. it was just like. It was just like, damn. But then again, the country was already like super depressed because that's at the same time when like the country shut down with COVID and everything. It was just kind of like, okay, are we not going to take this leadership shit seriously now? No. All right. You're right. None of those people that they mentioned I could see winning. Like, I don't think Gavin Newsom could win either. Like, he just looks like he should be on a soap opera. Right. It's like, yeah. It's like, who else? But it's like, who else do they have? I mean, Maybe Michelle Obama in a crazy world, but I feel like Michelle will probably just be like, mm, "Hell no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Sh- I'm not going through this shit again." She hates politics. She I'm absolutely hates it. If if you guys ever, um, if you had a chance to read her book, she talked about this earlier on. 
she did not want Barack Obama to, to run, not even for local politics. But when he was running um, in Illinois, she didn't want it. She hated politics. She was friends with Jesse Jackson's daughter uh, when she was in high school. And so she saw politically how it was. That's why she said she never wanted to be involved in politics. So she wouldn't run. If she did run, I think she would win, though. Because a lot of people like Michelle Obama, believe it or not, like she's more beloved than her husband. Right, but she got that stop. But take it from a, take it from a Chicago, and it's like West Side is and South Side is them we the thorough motherfuckers in there. But them South Side motherfuckers <laughs> ain't no joke neither. And I can just easily see that South Side and her jumping out because <laughs> she, it, it, they can only fake it for so long. They can only fake it for so long. Like I can easily see, I can easily see somebody like she see one. She see one monkey arm comment about her, and she's just like, "I right, fuck it. Whole country can go to hell for all I care. I'm out. <laughs> but I just feel like at this point, they just gonna... Nancy Pelosi's finna step down. She's finna cash out the remainder of her money and get her life together. Obama's probably finna realize, yeah, I don't got the juice like that no more. Let me just sit back and do more irrelevant podcasts <laughs> and stuff no more. Who knows? After them, after them, damn, after the whole thing with COVID, Biden literally like disappeared for a minute before this shit with Ukraine jumped off. <laughs> I really don't see where else these Democrats is probably finna be like, and they ain't gonna sit back and reflect and be like, all right, let's turn shit over to the progressives. No, I think they're just finna, all right, we'll sit back, we'll run weak candidates, but we pretty much know Republicans finna get ready and run this shit for a little bit. And you know what? We're okay with letting them run it because we're about to get ready and fuck all this economy money up. With this, with this unnecessary war and all this other shit, so yep. Yeah, good luck to everybody. I hear you. We're Red. all gonna I get screwed. Hear I hear you. You're right, though. Biden would run. He's he's he he likes to hide. He's done this before. <laughs> Did the shit get too rough? Biden running hide. You don't hear from Biden. Like you might see him do like a press conference. Once in a blue moon and things get rough, they'd be like, but the question is, where is the president of the United States? Hiding. I feel like that's the only time I've ever heard that in my life. I know, right? I haven't, I haven't lived that long, but I feel like that's not something that's usually said that often. No, it's true. Like, you, you definitely didn't hear those things, too, like when Bill Clinton was president. Like, apparently everybody knew where he was except for Hillary. Let me stop. I'm going to get <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, that's my theory. I think, like, maybe we're about to get ready and go, like, through depression 2. Point, like, maybe we're about to get ready and go through depression 2.0, especially with that whole thing with the, uh, you hear about the whole, the whole STX thing with the whole Bitcoin guy getting hacked? Someone mentioned it to me last night, but I have to read up on it. Yeah, like, this dude lost, like, this dude went from being worth, I think he was, like, worth 32 billion and now that motherfucker and now that motherfucker ain't worth you or me put together times 10 he said that motherfucker went from 32 being worth 32 billion to zip i have to check i gotta check that out man i gotta check it out so you gotta be careful with crypto though you do but i mean but if but if billionaires like but if billionaires and millionaires are losing their money like that on a guy that's like on a guy that's doing crazy investment things because 
Matt Damon and Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian say, yeah, crypto's the future. And <laughs> they're losing their money that fast. What the fuck's happening? What the, who, who the fuck you think's going to get ran bail? These motherfuckers. What's going to happen to the rest of our money? When shit's yeah. going. That's why these dims is like, yo, it's time to cash out. Like, last call. Yep. Because after this, all this shit's going to get ready and go to hell. Well, they want to try to regulate it now, too. Mm-hmm. Too little, too late. That, Nancy already see the writing on the wall. She's just like, let me get my money and hurry up and go on. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and as they, as my man Brady said, pass the joint. But, uh, Savvy, I'm, look, I know I'm kind of going through a rough time. And I don't know if, I know some of you guys sometimes convert over here from, like, the debrief and brief show. And I'm, y'all was talking to me yesterday. I got a lot of love from everybody. I do appreciate y'all looking out. Looking out for your boy when I'm, cause when I was telling you I was going through it, is it, it was real, it's, it's real out, it's it's real out here. That's why I haven't been calling in for a while. So, and I'm still kind of going through the storms right now. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to be as consistent as I much. I'm gotta get a whole lot of shit together. But I want to call in. If nothing else, if I don't get to call for the rest of the year, I do want to wish you a happy holidays. Hope you stay. Wish you please be take it from me. I'm going through it right now. Like y'all, just be around people that actually like genuinely love and genuinely care for y'all right now. Cause it's, that's right. It's cold as this cold ass crazy world we living in right now. That's kind of really all. That's kind of really all you're gonna really need to kind of like get through it. So I do love all. Of, I do love you, Savvy. I love all of the Sabsters out here. Happy holidays to you all. And I mean, hopefully I'll get to. I'll let you guys sooner rather than later, you know, just pray for your boy. And if you don't pray, then just send good vibes and energy my way. Just, just like get through this shit. Hang in there, Red. Take and make sure, make sure you take care of yourself. And that's another thing for, for all of you guys. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. I'm trying. I'm going to try my best, man. But y'all keep up. Y'all keep up and keep focused out there. All right, Rand. Thank you so much for calling in. No problem. See y'all around. Okay. Looks like Free Assange is on the mic. You just have to hit unmute. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's my second time on, and uh, this is a great calling. Great calling uh, show. I don't know why I'm not on here more. I guess uh, this timing, but uh, I wanted to respond to question. Uh, Hawking Jeffries will most likely resume her role. Will this help progressive policies? Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what progressive policies are anymore. And I know that sounds somewhat of a joke, but you know what? I guess we, what uh, Medicare drug uh, pricing. That's what they're trying. That's what they're going for. Like I honestly don't know anymore. Like what 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 do they support? I know that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean Medicare for all is one I always point to, but I know they don't talk about it as much anymore like they used to. But Medicare for all, um, the student loan debt thing has to be fixed. That's been blocked. Paid family leave, paid sick leave. Oh right, there you go. Yeah, like like that. Um. They weren't really on board with UBI. That was more Andrew Yang's thing. But yeah, pay family leave, pay sick, that's something, you know. 
crazy. Like we don't have guaranteed paid family leave for people in this country. It's it's crazy, it's, and we're supposed to be pro family, but you know, supposed to be. So like, I think my thing is because like I'm for like the left or whatever. We say that we're against purity tests or someone is like, you know, I don't want to be like a purity test because I'm not perfect myself. Da da da. So I don't want a purity test, but how about a maybe a bare minimum test? Because I think we've kind of lost the definitions of some of these words. And, you know, especially with the, like the progressives did that letter and then they were sending it. I guess it's, you know, you could say it's strategy because Bernie, the main, the main cheese is not behind it. And I guess whoever else is the foreign policy uh, progressive bona fides, you know, but it's like, so what? Are they waiting for what a, a massacre? You know that I don't want to get dark, but it's like so. I'm so I'm trying to say is what the most things that are important to us are climate change, um, pollution, and um, state violence, and uh, what's the one I'm forgetting? I guess corruption is just general, but so climate change, Medicare for all, state violence, and. I guess I'm forgetting some, but I'm trying to keep it with the main, like our most important issues, you know, and then war. But I think that we, I think we might have to knock off some of these because I don't think we're getting much progress. At least from my opinion, I may be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. But like for my, cause I'm just a consumer, you know, and I try to do small things, but I don't really do much. I just, you know, try to help where I can. I'd like to do more, but like to be part of a group anyway um i think we got limited to one and i think climate change is it's not really something i think activist groups can can tackle because it's such an industrial type of thing you know like and you know let's say we all were against fishing in a certain area but then there's people there who've been fishing there for a long time and they're just sustaining themselves where the industrial fishermen we can't do nothing about them because even if it's illegal, they're still going to fish. So it's like we're kind of in a catch-22 with, with climate change and the, in the environment. Not to say forget about it, but just kind of we got to carve out our own little something and just try to protect that. With uh, the wars, you know, we're in a dying empire. So that's just how they're keeping the money worth anything. I'm talking a lot. But anyway, the point is, I think state violence is the one thing we can actually get everybody to agree on. Because no one wants to be, you know, killed by police. So I think, I think even police can, we might even get police behind it. If we, I, I think that's the one message that, you know, the left, we really, is like, hey, does anyone deserve to be, you know, brutalized? Come on now. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, we have technology now. You know, there's no reason for this to happen. Martial arts something you know uh solidarity in the community you know i think there's multiple arguments we can make that kind of cut through the whole i'm on the right or i'm i'm independent i'm against the left social issues like no this sounds pretty legitimate because there's a lot of videos that are gut-wrenching you know i'm not saying you know i don't want to exploit but Sorry, so I'm. That's a good point. So you think that we're asking for too many things? You think we need to scale it down? I don't think we're asking for too many things, but I just think we've lost so many battles at this point. Like people are like, "Well, okay, Medicare for all, I'm with you. Climate change, I'm with you." But then, ah, you know, now I'm just 
it's just too much negativity for me to handle. I don't necessarily disagree, but it's just like, get, tell me something positive <laughs> or else I'm just going to shut it all down. I think that, that's my opinion where I see people like they're like, if you give me one issue, they're like, OK, I can care about that because then I can start thinking about it. They can digest it. And then we can talk, we can give all the facts on that one issue instead of just trying to give you a little bit of facts on each of the other issues. This is my opinion. I know, you know, every, all the other issues are important, but I think we need a win and we need something that is universal. And I think that's, you know, Medicare for all. I think we've done a lot of progress with that. I think we're getting close. Probably 20 years we'll get it. But that, that one's kind of a back burner because, you know, the Congress is all tied up in that and funding mm-hmm. you know, billions and billions of dollars in that. So that's kind of like a back burner type thing that we have to use electoralism. That's a, it has to be. There's no other way to get uh, Medicare for all because people have to vote for it. But, well, the thing is, the thing is, in reference to Medicare for all, too, is that some of the progressives don't even talk about it anymore. Some of the members of the squad don't even talk about it anymore. So there's that. Like, that's the thing. Like, they they were supposed to fight for that, and they're not fighting for it. And the other thing is, is that, I mean, Rokana told me so himself. Unless you have a president and a Congress and a Senate that backs it, you're not going to get it. And that was a blow, you know, like, to hear him say that. But, I mean, he told me that himself. So that's the thing. And I think people need to really come. This is why I keep telling people that. You have to you have to put pressure on them to do it without that outside pressure. They're not going to do it. And then the other thing that you brought up, which is the funding, because they're all corporate owned, even the ones who ran grassroots campaigns, they still went into a corporate party. So they're all corporate owned. So then the other question is, which nobody has seemed to figure out the answer to this. How do you get money out of politics? And at one point in time, people were talking about ending Citizens United. That fell off. Nobody really talks about that anymore, including like independent media. So, again, we're back to this question again. Like, how do you get corporate money out of politics? So even for someone like Bernie Sanders to run and say that corporate greed and there's all this corporate money and I don't take corporate money. Yeah, but even Bernie didn't tell us how to get the money out. So, see, we know what the problem is, but the question is, how do you solve it? How do you get the money out? That is a great um, list. Back when I was a TYT subscriber, I never subscribed, paid a subscriber, just like a you know follower years ago. They had that Lawrence Lessig campaign, and he said, I'm running for president, but I'm only going to get money out of politics, and then I'm going to resign. And I'm like, that was so funny when he said it, but I think we need something like that. We need like a policy candidate that's not even really a candidate. It's just a policy like almost like ballot initiative people. I think that's, but I don't know how you get that really done practically. So, well, but. ballot initiatives have been working really well in my state. Like, that's the thing. Like, I've been talking about ballot initiatives and like people, some people get mad at me for talking about ballot initiatives. Like, why are you talking about ballot initiatives? I don't live in a ballot initiative state. Okay. So you can try to make your state a ballot initiative state. That's the other thing. Like, people don't. People, here's what most people want. Most people that I've, I've spoken to, this is what the response that I receive. When I tell people how they can do these things on their own, how there's some things they can do on the local level, most of the people respond like this. But I don't live in a ballot initiative state. Okay, here's how you can make your state a ballot initiative state. We give them the information. Then they're like, 
But we have to pass legislation on a federal level. It has to be for everybody. So I'm going to vote for the Democrats because they're lesser two evils. But the Democrats aren't passing those policies. The Democrats don't want those policies passed. So most people that I speak to, they're still looking for a savior. They're looking to elect a politician who is going to make these things happen. Most people I talk to don't want to do the work themselves. And what people have to understand is, had it not been for those people who were doing things on the local level, we wouldn't have legalized marijuana in Massachusetts. That was local residents who did the damn thing, who got the signatures and got it on the ballot. Had it not been for the pressure from the people, Massachusetts wouldn't have made it so that people have paid family leave now. That started last year. So uh, some of these progressive policies, they're passing on the state level. They're just not passing on the federal level. And it's not just the blue states. South Dakota just passed Medicaid expansion. That's a red state. Nebraska just passed $15 minimum wage. That's a red state. Florida passed $15 minimum wage two years ago. That's a red state. So it's just this is the thing that people kill me when they say it's only going to work in the blue states. The majority of the ballot initiative states are red states. So people have to be willing to do the work on the ground. And like our, our, our ancestors, right? Were they trying to get things done only on the national level? Hells no. Hells no. They knew that there were things they could do in their community. They knew there were things that they could do on a local level to help things. They understood that because they had community. A lot of us don't have community because most of us, we consider community to be online. Instead of meeting with people in person, instead of ha having these discussions with people in person, and that's how it was done back in the day. If you look at like the civil rights movement, that was done in person. There was no internet. They started locally and then it spread nationally. So the thing is, eventually you have to have that push. But if it's not, you can't even get these these actions on the local level or people to even try to do them. How do people expect corrupt politicians in D.C. to do them? You know, you have to have the pressure from the outside. And so for a state like mine, once we pass certain actions, it puts pressure on the surrounding states to do the same thing. So New York, Connecticut, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, even Virginia, actually, would they have decriminalized or legalized marijuana if it wasn't a state that pushed it? We were the first ones. Same thing for gay marriage, right? Massachusetts was the first state to to implement gay gay marriage in the United States. And then that pushed other people. So yeah, then the Supreme Court goes, you know what, we're just gonna make this for everybody. But somebody has to be the first to do it. And until you have that, like people just crossing their fingers and hoping that these politicians in DC are gonna be the ones to step up and do it. You're really like, you're, you're wasting your time. You're really wasting your time because at the end of the day, the corp corporate money talks more and they serve corporate interests. So, yeah, like I said, they'll do just they'll do a little bit like for the American people, but they're not going to give us the things that we should have. The basic things like health care for everybody, because a lot of them are owned by the pharmaceutical companies. So we talk about protests and things like that, like maybe some of these protests should happen outside Blue Cross Blue Shield. Maybe some of these protests should happen outside Cigna, Aetna, all these insurance companies. You know, like it just, there has to be a push somewhere. And so when people get upset,
that you have a group like whole Washington that's like, we're going to try to get single payer on the state level and they're getting the signatures so they can get it on the ballot. And some people get upset about that. I'm like, no, what the fuck? What are they supposed to do? Sit around and hope that Ro Khanna is going to fight for them. Sit around and hope that AOC and them are going to fight for them. They don't even talk about Medicare for all anymore. You'll be waiting your whole life. So until you get corporate money out of politics, most of these progressive policies are not going to be passed on a federal level unless you have the pressure from the outside. That's what you have to do. And it has to be massive, massive. It can't just be 50 people protest in D.C. That's how you got to do it. I'm going to go ahead and make... Um, I think Roger, I just invite you to speak. Go ahead. Uh, is, it, is it Roger? My bad. I'm, am I interrupting? Oh, no, you can go ahead and finish. Um, Roger's probably driving, probably Ubering, but go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, yeah, I agree. I think we need community, definitely. And I think we can get maybe uh, public financing of elections in the local level. Definitely think that's possible. Uh, Maine, they got the ranked choice voting, ranked choice voting, and now the news they have to talk about it. So just this is becoming possible makes you know it spreading possible. So 100% agree. Thank you for speaking with me. Thanks so much, Free Assange. I'm gonna bring in Saul and then um, Roger. You are a a speaker, so go ahead and do your thing. Do salutations to my sister and my brother Roger. Hey, whoa! What's going on, everybody? Chilling. What's up, Saul? What's your take on all of this? Yeah, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi is gone. By the way, that woman has is still wielding power. She's going to be behind the scenes, which is darker. You know, now before it was like we can see what she was doing. Now she's going to be behind the scenes. And it's like the recycling thing of our democracy. It's like they're going to keep regurgitating the same old wrinkled people that are in power. They're not going to lose their power. They're not going to lose their power. And that's the reason why I always say, like, Sabi and Roger and uh, everybody on Indie Media, they're not monoliths. They're not monoliths. They're, they're just truth sayers. So when people are still attached to this idea that, that we have democracy, got to wake up from that you got to wake up from that because like what roger and sabby and everybody is is like um convo couch and all the indie media is telling you is like direct action that is your power mm-hmm. you can't you can't depend on these politicians that are so wealthy like look if i had like ha- not even half what pelosi has i could give that shit to my family to your family, and we all be good. That's the kind of life they live. They live in this lifestyle that they've forgotten, like what it is to be poor. And I don't think they've ever been poor, by the way, because you don't get into you politics by being co-op. poor. Yeah, exactly. Inside a co-op, and don't make don't make anybody a monolith because you need to you need to ingest the information. And then act upon that information because this is what 
this is what uh, indie media is doing. They give you the information. It's up to you. But if you continue to believe that some savior is going to come along, you're always going to feel done. You're always going to feel sad because these things are not in our control. But the only thing that's in our control is our initiative action. Because like, I don't think if I think it was FDR, right, that uh, under pressure of the public, he created like social uh, social security and all these other things, right? Am I wrong on that? Right. So it, it it's public pressure. So yeah. even though there are these billionaires, right? They they have egos. That's and right. if they're not liked, if they're not liked by the major uh, the majority of the population, they will do something to to appease the population. So what Roger and, and, and everybody is doing, like Unholy Rome, like doing uh, initiative action and being on the ground, that is the act. That is the work that needs to be done. That's right. That's right. Well said, Saul. Um, Roger, you you wanted to uh, say something? Um, I, I got something to read, so other people want to go mm. ahead. That's cool. Educate right, me, let's Roger. Go, let's go ahead and bring, because I know that's going to take a minute. Greg, <laughs> Greg, I just, I know, Greg Bruce, uh, you have um, something to add here. You just have to unmute. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just going back to the original question, um, will this help progressive policies if Jeffries uh, uh, resumes the role of Nancy Pelosi? And the answer like is... Avatar. Pretty- Thank you. <laughs> um, the answer is pretty clear. I mean, you just got to look at um, Hakeem Jeffries' uh, mm-hmm. campaign financing on Open Secrets. Um, his biggest industry um, was, uh, as far as where the money came from, was uh, securities and investments. So, you know, he's in the pocket of Wall Street and the biggest individual contributor. Uh, so that was like over 500000 in his biggest individual contributor uh, was uh, a pro-Israel pack. Um, that was like over 2000. So he, um, he's known for this quote where he said, um, I will never bend the knee to a hard left democratic socialism. Well, yeah, that, it's obvious you're going to bend the knee to Wall Street and you're going to bend the knee to uh, the Israeli government. You're not going to be, beholden to the to the the general population um you know he's he's a wall street guy so it's probably just going to be doing the same insider trading that nancy Pelosi is doing uh, he's just a corrupt hack um and um he'll probably make millions um at the expense of all of us so you know it's it's i don't see any improvement coming with with this it's just replacing one corporate Democrat with another. And it's, yeah, it, we need to uh, get away from this corporate party. So that's my spiel on that. Uh, one thing I'm going to note on that, the government is corporate. So yep. how do you get away from a corporate-owned government? Well, one of the things that you do, and this is something Nick talked about this on George Galloway show. I don't know if you guys saw that episode, but Nick broke down how to do it. So he talked about, you know, what we're about at RBN and Nick had had the perfect like in case study QBs on board with this too. 
you have to build the mutual aid organizations, right? So what we're mm-hmm. doing is the RBN chapters. So each of us will have a chapter in our location and then we'll show other people how to do it. Then you guys can start chapters where you live. Then what you do, if you want to disrupt the duopoly, the candidate will come out of the organization, will come mm-hmm. out of the mutual aid organization and not just on the federal level, but I'm talking about candidates on the local level too, right? This mm-hmm. is how Shama Sawant, this is how her organization works. They already have the work being done on the ground and in the community. So they help the people in the community. So the people know them. Then they decide who is going to be the best person to run. And they had chosen Shama Sawant. Shama Sawant did not want to be a politician. So they had chosen her. And it turns out, guess what? She really was the best person for the job. Yeah. If Shama Sawant would have lost, it still wouldn't have mattered because they were already helping the people in the community. This is the difference. So the way that Nick has explained this is that you have the mutual aid chapters. We start them. You guys start your own. They build, they grow. This doesn't take long, by the way. It really does not take long. They build and they grow. The candidate comes from the mutual aid organizations. You select the people who you think are the best to run. We recommend focusing on the local level first. Pick people from your your RBN or your mutual aid chapter group to run for city council, to run for mayor, to run for those races. Handle that first. This is actually how Justice Democrats should have done it. They should have Mm -hmm. started on the local levels first and then start to put people up for those other positions in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. So you get that. Then you, you focus on getting people also that can run third party. And we talked about this on RBN. The most effective third party that we have that has actually had wins is the Green Party. But the Green Party is not going to win if people don't help them. So exactly. people have to help them. So then you get that person who's going to be the one that can get that 5%. Once you get 5% of the, the polling, the support, You get federal funding for the rest of your campaign. Then if you get to that, I believe it's that 15%. If you get to that 15%, now you're on the debate stage. Now, Mm -hmm. you have to understand the strategy. The strategy is not for the third-party candidate or the independent candidate to necessarily win. The strategy is to disrupt the duopoly so that you make the Democratic Party, you push them to do shit. And this would have worked very well if everybody that supported Bernie Sanders had shifted and supported Jill Stein, then Hillary Clinton's hand would have been forced. You guys see what I'm saying? Would have been forced. We got to give you guys these policies. We got to do something for you, for the people. Otherwise, they're never going to support us again. But it brings you back to the point that it's public pressure. It's not it's not politicians pressure because they're comfy. They have their own. They have their gold-plated Medicare. They have every lavish lifestyle they can they can imagine. So, yeah, it's public pressure. So you're right on that. Right. So here's the thing, though. What people also have to understand is that if you do not have public pressure, politicians will never change. They're not exactly. going to bend. They're not going to. You have mm-hmm. to have that pressure. If you keep voting for them because they're the lesser of two evils, they're never going to have that pressure. Exactly. And that's my point. Like, um, there's a lot of people here. Like, I I see a lot of lovely people out here, and they still, 
oh, maybe if we do this, maybe if we do that. And no, they, they don't care about you. That's the first thing you got to get into your mind. They don't care about you. They got in office. They're making their, they're making their bank. They're making their millions. And you are an afterthought. You're like a, like a Achilles heel to them. Like, oh man, now we have to appease the poor. So what you have to do is push that pressure. You got to elevate that voice. And the only way we can do that is through direct action. Right. That's right. And the thing is, is that, um, depending on which party they run through. And like I said, the most successful third party we have in the U S is the green party. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. So if yes, those ma'am. candidates are running through the green party, which I think there should be more running through the green party, then what you have to do is you have to understand what the green party's platform is about. And people should be looking at this already. Most of us are anti-war. So why aren't we supporting Green Party candidates? The Green Party is anti-war. Nobody's like pro-war. Nobody. Actually, if you, if you, um, if you look at the uh, statistics, nobody's pro-war. They're pro-party. Mm. Well, and whatever the party tells them to do, that's what they're going to go for. I mean, well, it's that it's sad to it's sad to say this, but every time I look like, oh, this person stepped down. Why is Pelosi stepping down? She should have been gone. Like exactly. Pelosi should have been gone like a while ago. And, and like Mitch McConnell, how the hell is that dude still there? That dude should have been gone. Because people but in Kentucky, people in Kentucky, go ahead. he has the most money. Typically, the candidate with the most money is the one that wins. Thank you. Thank you. That's so that's, that's how right it there. works. That's what people have to understand. So the thing is, is this. Here's what you do. You look at the Green Party's platform. And look at what they're asking for. They're asking for no war. Like in the in the wars, they have Thank a you, much Eric. more progressive climate change plan than the progressive Democrats have. I'm sorry. The Green New Deal that AOC and Ed Markey, right, it was co-opted from the Green Party, but they watered it down. It's nowhere near as progressive as the Green Party's original New Deal. This is why people need to, and I've said this to you guys before, but you really need to look at the Green Party's platform because a lot of the things that we're asking for, that's what they're demanding. So that's why I keep saying to people, why are people trying to reinvent something new? I don't understand. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. This was something like my teacher, my professor told me this one time. I'll never forget this. I never liked group projects because I like to just, I don't like relying on other people to get shit done. I really don't. And there's always one person in the group that slacks off. I think a lot of us. That rides on everybody else's tail. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we had a group, a, a group project when I was in grad school And we were supposed to come up with a curriculum design for um, students that were were ESL. So they're the second language learners, right? English as a second language, yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Do you know our professor, he walked around the room and he's listening to everybody. All the groups work together. And then he gets up in the front of the room and he says, everybody just stop. And he says, I walked past every single one of these groups and I just got to say this. 
Why are you guys trying to start something new? Mm-hmm. Why are you giving yourself more work? Why don't you guys just already take the information that is already there and build off of the information that's already there? Mm-hmm. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If you are looking to reinvent the wheel, yeah, you're going to have a lot more work. You really are. Even if you look at something like Justice Democrats, was that really reinventing the wheel? No, because no. they were running through the Democratic Party. Exactly. Yes, you got that right. You got so right. Yep. Right. I, so that's I, what kills me with people trying to start all these other parties and, you know, no shade to them. But same thing with forward party. Why are you trying to start? Why not take the resources that you already have and work with the Green Party, who was already has more ballot access than any other party that's outside the, the duopoly? It's Why because not the, with the, the Andrew Green Yangs. Party? The Andrew Yangs and these politicians that are coming up and starting off their party, like, I'm sorry, um, the People's Party, that shit is, like, not even possible because they have been exposed to being, you know, dipping in the pot kind of way. Right. So but the, but the People's Party is not is not even relevant. Because they, exactly. they have no candidates. They've been around for five years. They haven't even run anyone on the local level. They're not relevant. The thing yeah. is, is this. And then this should have already happened. We should have already had someone like a Bernie Sanders working with the Green Party after things failed in 2016. Obviously, he's not gutsy enough to do that. Bernie's a Democrat. That's just really what yeah. it is at the end of the day. Bernie Bernie never had the backbone, by the way. Like he was a Democrat from first, from jump. He already stated it. He already said it to everybody. He was not going to fight for everything that he was saying. He's just a regurgitator of nice words to get mm-hmm. you to fall into the Democratic Party, which is the duopoly. So everybody that comes along and talks about the same things and they, 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 they give you these flowery words, they're all in the same party. So Green Party to me is, is the alternative to all the other stuff because Green Party is, is already stated. They're in an entity. They're already an established entity. So to me, that is the way to go. Even if there's another third party that comes along that has a better idea, I think Green Party is the idea right now because they run on everything that we are. We the ten demand the I don't know if it's eleven or ten. <laughs> ten to eleven demands. We they have that locked. Right, but the thing and, is that, and also they're not corporate. Exactly. And that's, a, that's another thing. So if you're looking that for is a good thing. grassroots, that's a good way to go. But I, I got to tell you guys, like, I don't understand why people are like, we need to start a new third party. You don't need to start. It's already here. It's already there. It's already there, man. Don't invent the wheel. Like you said, it's already fucking there, man. And they need, they need more people. They need more people. Like, this is why, like, listen, this is why, like, we don't have more Green Party candidates. We could have more. I gotta tell you guys, Delilah got over thirty thousand votes in Texas as a Green Party candidate. Yep, I saw that. So I mean, it's just, but they need help. They need the support, and the more people they'll have, the more money they'll be able to raise, and then they have a better chance because they'll this- have more more advertising, more marketing, more materials. And I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, when you're running for an election, you have to have money. That's how it works. And this is the glitch. They know that Democrats and the Republicans have the money. Mm-hmm. So they, they're not going to vote for somebody who's going to lose. And that's the thing that they push on mainstream media. 
Why are you going to vote for somebody who's going to lose? No, we're not voting for somebody who's going to lose. We're voting for pressure. We're putting pressure on the establishment. And what the Green Party is doing is putting pressure on the on, on the duopoly. So when people say, like, oh, I'm a libertarian, I'm just like, no, you're hiding Republican. Come on, stop. <laughs> but even some of the libertarians, but let me be clear here, even some of the libertarians, because some libertarians lean further to the left. So they even do. some of the libertarians, because the Green Party is anti-war, you could even try to get some of them on board. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like, some of these things, for those, for people like anti-war, like that kind of thing, that's a big thing, right? So if, if, if you're anti-war and your choices for candidates are a Democrat who's not anti-war, a Republican who's not anti-war, and a Green Party member who's anti-war, you should be voting for the Green Party candidate. That would be the ethic, you know what I mean? Like, if you had ethics, that would be the thing. If but people, people care, don't have care ethics, that much, they have, yeah, go ahead. If people care that much about climate change as they say that they do, they would not be voting for the Democratic Party. They would not be voting for the Republican Party because they're both warmongers. And that is, you know, the military industrial complex is the biggest cause of pollution that we have in the world. So to me, it don't make no sense. I hear all these climate activists and I've talked to a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're for climate reform. We really got to help with climate change. And then they, they go vote for the same people who are polluting they're, the world. It's because they're team players, man. And the thing is that the ideology of this government, this this United States that we live in, like they said, oh, uh, racism ended. No, it didn't. It never ended. We're still, we're still being marginalized. No matter how many black or Asian or or Indian people get into Congress or into politics, look at Rokana. Oh, my God. That dude is like a double-faced motherfucker, man. That dude will lie to you straight to your face and then, like, deny that shit that he did that. So That's true. the thing, yeah, he would just deny it. And AOC, is, is she's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rico is in disaster right now, and she's, like, living lovely. She already got that paycheck. That's the thing I'm saying. Like, politics right now is it's a club. And the Green Party is not in that club. And that's what I love about the Green Party. They're not in that club. No. They're a part. Yeah. No, they're not. And I think the thing is, too, like, when you look at, like, the Green Party, it's like their platform is more progressive than the Justice Democrats platform. So why are people settling for justice Democrats that have a weaker progressive platform than the Green Party that has the most progressive platform right now. Why are people making? That's the thing that drives me crazy. It really does. So I think that it boggles the mind, dude. It, it, I'm sitting here like I'm. I'm just a peon right now. Like I'm a pawn. Like wherever you say I'm gonna move, I'm gonna move because you know what? My economics is paying my rent. You know, like that's where I'm at. Like, I, I am not here to, like, say that I have these money, these dollars to to inject into this Green Party because I don't have that. But what I do have is knowledge. And it, it's provided by people like you and Roger and Case Study and, and, and um, um, Convo Couch. And all these people are doing the work because everybody's caught up in this democracy. And it's not really a democracy. It's a duopoly of corporatism. That's right. Well said, Saul. I, I do want to make sure I get to the other callers as well. 
Um, Marco, Much love, Tabby. Thank you. Thank you. Marco, I invited you as a speaker, um, and I'm going to bring in Gilbert. You're next on the line. And Greg, I wasn't sure if you were uh, finished with your statement just yet, but let's go ahead and bring in Gilbert. What's up, Gilbert? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm good, by the way. Yeah, so many good points, man. I, I really dig your show. Um, big fan. I um, First off, I called earlier when you had um, gotten off of um, off of YouTube. And you started talking about Elizabeth Warren, so I immediately wanted to piggyback on what you said, and then my dumbass accidentally hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, so I put myself on the, you know, ended up calling back, and obviously I was at the end of the line. But um, hold on, let me see if this is better. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so something that you said about Elizabeth Warren, you said she's a capitalist, and I definitely wanted to piggyback on that. Um, and then uh, you also said that, you know, she smeared Bernie. And I think in part the reason why she um, she did that was um, I believe she was manipulated by Hillary because you know how they were vetting her vice presidential candidates when, when it was apparent she was going to most likely win? And then, like, I feel like they absolutely just played her so that she could attack Bernie. And at the end, they knew that they were, quote, unquote, vetting her, but they weren't going to choose her. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you got oh, that. Yeah, you originally, got Bernie Sanders wanted Hillary, uh, not Hillary, wanted um, Elizabeth Warren to run in 2016, yep. not himself. Exactly. Yeah, because even in his book, he said that. He he felt obligated to run, you know, because there was no opposition to the Clinton political machine. So he, you know, but at yeah, the end, yeah. I mean, you saw what he did. Um, oh, I also, you know, it'd be awesome if you could cover the FTX um, debacle because there's a, there's definitely a DNC connection to that. And it appears that they might have been laundering money to the Democratic Party through FTX. So that's, you know, I mean, not too surprising that they're involved in corruption. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know, the details really do matter. So if we could, you know, dig in a little bit and expose that. And you're so good. You're so fluid with the way you, you know, you speak about topics put them up talk about them give a little background you know really enjoy it so that'd be awesome to get that from you um and then i guess maybe a little pushback on on the on the green party thing first off let me fully disclose i i believe that the most radical bernie sanders people from 2016 didn't vote for hillary me being one of them, we we voted for Jill Stein. The majority of like the Bernie Kratz or Sanderistas or all these names that they came up with that were diehard, you know, Bernie or bust, they didn't vote for Hillary. You know, I mean, we some we them, knew why we were supporting Hillary. Some of them didn't and, vote at all, though. That's an yeah, that is true. That is true. And, and you know, I mean, I I get that too. I I do get it. I mean, I voted. 
um, for Jill Stein because I try to get them to 5%. Like I believe a lot of us did at that time, you know, because, you know, when it, when it comes to the Green Party, I, I am one of those that, that thinks that we should start our, our own party, you know, because there's no, there's no reason in trying to co-opt, you know, something that's partially capitalist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if the answer right now, the, the majority of the problems that, that are occurring are because of the capitalist system. I mean, the exploitation that happens, the, the banks basically just running amok, you know, basically stealing people's houses during the, the housing bubble. Right now with raising interest rates, people are basically captured. They can't really do anything. They're trapped in the system, the housing problem. Um, you know, so it's like at the end of the day, the only way we, we can solve this is through socialism, through Marxism. So, and once again, because I, I keep hearing like, you know, how, you know, but really the only way history has shown us is through a political party, you know, and normally it, it is a radical socialist party that does it, you know, and the, uh, the only other example from the left that hasn't been like a, a radical leftist party, political party has been a workers party, you know, like in Brazil, for example, you know, um, I, I hope that the mutual aid concept that Nick is pushing, you know, you know, flourishes and, and develops into something. But if you guys remember in, um, in Minnesota, like a while ago, there was, um, oh, and you know what, actually, before I even jump on that, I, I would actually push back. That for the left, the most complete party right now, and I was thinking about this actually, because once again, I believe we should found our own party, start something new, get candidates to run, like exactly what we're talking about, you know, we have an inside strategy, which is having people run electorally, have an outside strategy, you know, have people sign up for propositions, push measures, mutual, you know, bond measures, all that stuff. But I believe the 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 answer might be with socialist alter, alternative. So I've already had that discussion with Shama Sawant multiple times. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know what was said. Tell me. Because I said the same thing. What did you say, first off? To have that political party movement through socialist alternative. Okay, can I just jump in real quick, though? The one thing about socialist alternative... They're really adamant about you're with us a hundred percent. I remember talking to one of them um uh, like maybe four years ago, something like that, and they basically were asking me to like almost renounce the Democratic Party. Right, <laughs> right. And I, I get that. I we interviewed the organization on RBN. Yeah, I love it. Sawant, but I I'm love gonna it. tell you what they said. They are not a political party and they don't want to be a political party. So mm. that, that's the problem with socials. They don't want to do that. Their main thing is to help people where they can in the community, on the ground, through mutual aid, through direct action, fighting for these actions on the ground. That's how they won the fight for 15 in Seattle. 
and there's different chapters of, of, of essay across the United States, but they are very adamant about that. They will not become a political party. That's not what they want to do. So that's the thing about socialist alternative, but I, I hear you because I said the same thing and they're like, no, that's not what we, that's not what we're going to be. That's not what we want to be because they feel like once they become a political party, then all the other stuff falls to the wayside. And, and I understand that too, but I mean, that's just their, you know, how they feel about it. In reference to a socialist party, we have a socialist party in the United States. We have the socialist party. This is why I'm trying to tell you guys, these parties already exist. They just don't gain any traction and they don't gain traction because they're not as well known or they're not on the ballot in these states. And so you have to get ballot access. That takes years, you guys. It takes years. The Green Party started this, what? They started back in the 80s. Within the first five years, they were able to to run candidates and candidates won within the first five, but it takes years. So the question is, do you want change soon or do you want change later? If you want change later, then yeah, go ahead and try to start another party. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you it's really hard now to try to get ballot access in these states. That's the problem MPP had. They thought that they had ballot access in Florida and then the state pushed back and, and removed it. They thought that they had ballot access in Virginia. And if you talk to people in Virginia, they'll tell you something different than what Nick Brana is telling you. So that's why that's the thing. If you don't get the ballot access, you can't run any candidates. So yeah, you, no, for if, sure. If you do want to start a new party, I'm not saying you can't do that, but that takes years to get ballot access. The Green Party has ballot access in what, over 40 states? Jill Stein was on the ballot in over 40 states. That's why I said, why don't you just go with something that's already there? And I said the same thing. When I talk to Andrew Yang next week, I'm going to say the same thing to him. You know how long it's going to take to get ballot access in these states. So what is the plan? Because right now you're raising all this money. And we watched the same thing happen with MVP. They raised a lot of money and people gave them a lot of funds, but they ain't run no candidates because they don't have ballot access. So now people look at the organization like, what's the point of the organization? You guys just taking money from people and you're not doing anything. But I do have to say, I agree with everything you said. I do have to say, though, like, I, you know, like I'm literally calling in to talk about their party. Right. I wasn't enthusiastic about Nick Brana. I mean, let's keep it a hundred. Nick Brana? No, nah, like I, we want someone that's that actually says I'm a Marxist, not I'm a progressive, I'm a libertarian, I'm an equal, you know, environmental. No, we need someone that it, that says it. Like that's part of what made Bernie Bernie. Bernie, the unfortunately, Bernie's like a, a centrist now, basically. Right. Well, Bernie, Bernie wasn't a Marxist either. No, exactly. But you know what he did do, though? What He wasn't a Marxist and he really never was. The, the most radical he was was in the 70s and early 80s. You know, but what he did do and he did us a huge favor is he destigmatized the word socialism. See, before Bernie, you wouldn't get all these pasty people talking about their socialists, really. You know, like now they, they were happy to call themselves democratic socialist you know which was a big step in america where where socialist is a four-letter word you know what i mean like that was big so now i'm saying it the green party 
took a long time because this type of work takes a long time. Like socialism is a long process. Like that shortcut stuff, like jumping into the, the Green Party, like, no, what we need to do is develop something from the bottom. And it's okay that it's going to take a but while. Like the, the ni- 1917 and the Russian Revolution didn't but, happen but in Gilbert, one year, two years. Gilbert, like we're talking, go ahead. People, this is the problem though, Gilbert. Tell me. People don't want it to take a long time. That's why people are so frustrated and upset right now is because even with the Justice Democrat strategy, they're like, oh, it's going to take time. People are livid because it's been six years and we've seen no improvement. People don't want something that's going to take a long time. People want change now. But but once again, though, we're we're adults. So, okay, so we we, it's like, for example, yeah, people want want orange juice now. Well, no, that's not how it works. You have to get a seed, plant the seed, get a tree, get more seeds, plant more trees. Now you have an orchard. That shit takes time. Like but yeah, you people don't want have to do that if you already have something that's in place and is already has ballot access. That's the thing. My, if we the, didn't have if we didn't have a third party that already had the structure and already had people that have won, and I'm talking about winning because some of these other third parties we have in the United States have not won. They haven't won anything. So the thing is, is this is like. Do you want people to get in these seats or not? Do you really want to disrupt the duopoly? If you really want to dis- disrupt the duopoly and you're saying it's going to take time, it's going to take years. What I've been hearing from people, especially on this, this call-in show and on my YouTube show, is that people don't have the time. People don't want to wait another 10 years, another 15 years, another 20 years. People need Medicare for all yesterday. I'm there. I mean, these are issues. Don't forget, socialists have been fighting for this since forever. Like, this isn't new. Like, this is the struggle. I mean, we believe in permanent public housing for people. You know, we believe in universal health care for all. You know, like, we, we believe in education, the right to education from pre-K to Ph.D., as I like to say. Like, that. that's not the, the problem isn't our side we know what we want the problem is because there's so much noise in capitalism and and the commodification of absolutely everything that it's hard for people to take the time to understand what's going on in the system like we're we're nerds over here let's keep it 100 we're talking about politics and shit like you know most people they got one two jobs you know they're they're they got to pick up their kids. They have to cook dinner, do homework, do the thing all over again. They don't really have time to read, you know, Marx and Engels and Lenin and all right. that. Right. And they you don't know? have time to wait 10, 15 years for another party to start either. I know those people. I talk to those people. I've interviewed those people. I've been in those communities. And I'm telling you, they need health care now, not 15, not 20 years from now. The only way, the only way we can do that is by getting, organizing ourselves into a political party and actually running candidates and channeling that anger, that frustration and that desperation into something. Like, for example, saying saying we don't have to. I disagree with you because. If we seize the means of production, we can give ourselves universal health care. The Black Panther Party gave their people health care because they seized the means of producing health care. That's right. 
So if we seize the means of production, that's how we get money out of politics. Because when we take production for the people, then the capitalists don't have the means of production to buy the government with. The only way we can seize the means is through political power, though. No, no, no. We seize the means by in the workplace. We seize the means by walking away from our capitalists and starting our own communist businesses. When you have a communist, show me an example though, because I live by a capitalist. When you have a communist worker cooperative, you can set your own wage. You can create a clinic for the community. That's not that. That is mutual, a, a form of mutual. That's not Marxist. That's not systemic no, change. We're, we're that what we're talking about is systemic Marxism. change here. We're it not talking about bandages, change. though. No, no, no Gilbert. Gilbert can I, just give me a second, Marco. Gilbert, I think there's a misunderstanding. What the Black Panthers did was not bandages. What the Black Panthers well, I, no, did. What I'm talking let me finish. About, let me finish talking. What the Black Panthers did was actually working. And the Black Panthers knew that they were not going to get these fixes through the federal government or through their local government. So they took matters into their own hands. Yes, they built clinics. Yes, they fed their people. Yes, they took care of the people in the community. That is the way around it. If you sit back and you wait for a politician to come and help your community or to come and help people in the United States, you are going to be waiting for the rest of your life. You know how long people have been voting? You know how long people have been waiting for the next president to be the savior, for the next congressman and congresswoman to be the savior? That is not going to happen. The Black Panthers were right. They had they the were right, right idea and they were They're Marxist-Leninist. They were right. So, yeah, it's it's a stage. Lo- socialism isn't just national. It's also local. But it, the end goal is a political revolution. They were Marxist-Leninist. They weren't, they weren't anarchists. They, you know, I think we're talking about two different things. See, you seem to only want to do this through politics. There are ways that you can help people without doing it politically. And I think that's the big difference here. The Black Panthers were an international organization. They had chapters in South Korea, not just in the United States. So you're talking to a member of RBN here. So I know a lot about the Black Panthers and we've talked Marxism about Marxism is internationalism, Sabi. No one said it wasn't Gilbert, but I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to slow progress because you're trying to make people start something that's brand new, which is going to take years when I'm telling you that people need health services right now. So why aren't we taking the resources that we have or that we can get and build clinics in our community and help the people in our communities? Why are we still trying to start a brand new party, which is going to take years for you to even get ballot access to get people on the ballot just for the Democratic Party and the Republican Party to shut them down anyway? Why are we still trying to take this slow road when we can do this ourselves within our communities? I think you're still looking at this on a national level, and I don't operate nationally. I operate locally. I think looking at it as either or is incorrect. You know, but don't like I told you at the beginning. Not, I, I hope I hope that that happens. Like I said, like I it's trust me. Happening, Gilbert. I think that's where I think that's where you don't understand. People have been doing this for years. It's not just the Black Panthers. I talked to a the young lords I, I did it to too, a, and they commandeered a church. I know. Trust me, I'm a history major. I get it. Can it, I but, finish what so, I'm saying? I'm talking I'm about sorry. the people doing it today. 
I interviewed Amali Yashatella on my show. The Huru movement has been around for years. They are, they've been feeding and helping people within their community for years. A lot of people hadn't heard about them until they got raided by the FBI, but they've been helping people. There are other organizations like Cooperation Jackson that helping people in their community and they're a worker co-op. Those organizations exist all across the United States. Why are we looking at a solution through the federal level when the answer has always been right in front of us in our own communities? I think it's just a difference of, 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 of perspective, maybe. There is no perspective when you're poor, like, Gilbert. When you're poor and you need food now, there is no other, there's no perspective. People need to be fed. People need to be clothed. People need medicine. People need health care. There is no let's sit back and think about Marxist the theory and how we can help people. Why so the is, just no, to be no, 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 no. You are only looking at this from what we can do on the national level. That is a waste of your time. And I hear you. I mean, I obviously have a difference of opinion, but that's why I called in so we can have this discussion, you know, because like I said, not. If there was a way, and like I said, I, I get it. People are, there's clinics, there's community clinics. I get it. But that's not universal health care. So, so I, so, so I guess, so I guess I the end earlier, we are not going to get universal health care. This is coming from people in Congress. We are not going to get it unless you have a president and Congress and the Senate all three have to agree on it. We don't have that. And I'm gonna let you know right now, we're not gonna have that probably within the next 10 years. We're not gonna have it. They all have to agree. Yeah. So well, why are you still it's waiting? It's not that they have to agree. It's that there has to be a new insurgency so that the people can agree with. Because if we're expecting the Democrats or Republicans to just say, you know what, let the Democrats and Republicans deal with it. And when they get together the house the senate and the presidency it might happen no that's just not going to happen there's too much money there the congress is captured i mean that's just a, so what exactly I'm, this is like what i'm right trying now, to tell you they are not, not going to let socialist they are not going to let 200 socialists take over the house they are not going to let 60 socialists take over the Democrat side of the Senate. If something like that happens in this country, that's going to be 20, 25, 50 years from now. That's not going to happen. Look at what they did to the progressive candidates and block them from getting in. The progressive candidates have to water down their policies in order to get a seat at the table. They have to say that they're against BDS. They're against the Palestinian movement. And they have to say that they're for the state of Israel. They have to say access to health care. They can't talk about Medicare for all anymore. That's what happens. They have to water down their policy so that they can get in. And the ones who don't are pushed out. Absolutely. And they're they're left on their own because that's basically all there is. They they have. Don't, don't forget, like, I, I, I get it. I, I get it. The, the one thing is, I feel, Sabi, there's a vacuum. I guess that that's really the point. Okay. Lo local politics is important. National politics is important. The problem is there's a vacuum. Right now, people, there is that urgency. People are underwater. They, they, they need help. Fucking gas is through the roof. Food through the roof. Rent through the roof. But the, the, 
the only solutions right now are, or the only problems <laughs> presented as solutions are the Democrats or Republicans. There is no third alternative, though. The so, third alternative is for you to not work through the Democratic Party or the Republican Party and for you to do what you can do in your communities on your own. That is the other alternative. We should have never been looking towards federal politics to help us, to save us. And when I think about federal politics on the national level, it has never helped my life. They passed Social Security. They passed Medicare. None of that shit happened during my lifetime. Ever since since I've been born, since I've been born, there is nothing that they have passed on the national level that has benefited me. Nothing. Everything that I've benefited from politically in this country has been done on the local level. So, so what are we waiting on them for? So, so basically, I have a question. So, are you against the forming of a party in principle because it takes too long, or just because it's more I important? Can, I'm um, against. I, the thing is, is is not so much that I'm against forming it. My thing is the people that have reached out to me and the people that are in my audience. And I got to think about my viewers. These are people that need help now. Mm -hmm. So they don't have time, Gilbert. They don't have time. When I go to Grant Manor and their fucking buildings falling apart and the mayor's not doing anything to fix it. And there's so much gentrification going on and black people are being pushed out of their neighborhoods. How is that being fixed on the national level? What is the federal government doing to fix that? What are they doing to prevent BlackRock from buying up properties and pushing people out of their neighborhoods? Not one damn thing because BlackRock supports them too. That's the problem. So when it comes to national politics, you cannot look at that as your savior. It is not going to save you as long as you have corporate money in politics. I do want to make sure I get to the other callers, though. Um, sure, so sure. I do want to bring in uh, Aish, Aish Bomb. And go ahead, Roger. Oh, yeah. So this is to address, I guess, everything that was said. And so pretty much I see these are the obstacles that the detractors of the state-by-state -state strategy bring up especially when it comes to Medicare for all done by state lawmakers or ballot initiatives in those states, which is something, Gilbert, you didn't even mention. Okay, the other way to do, get things done is through ballot initiatives. It's You don't have to go through a party or whatever the case is. So I'll bring up the obstacles, then I will knock them down. So let's take Medicare for all, for instance. So the detractors will say you need a federal waiver, so you have to go through the federal government anyway. Well, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra said that he's willing to grant waivers to states that wish to pursue their own health care plan. Two, the other argument that you'll hear is state government, unlike federal, are not currency issuers and they have to abide by a balanced budget, meaning they don't have the ability to legislate new money into existence like Congress. Therefore, states would have to increase taxes, a very unpopular thing to do, and if you shift it to the rich, they'll just leave the state. However, my response to that is, seeing that the federal government issues out bank licenses to banks to give them the authority to print money, Congress is not the only way to bring new money into existence. Banks are given that authority by the federal government, which goes to show you why every state in this country should have their own state-run public bank, which would stop tax 
which would stop state taxes from going to Wall Street, starving them of our tax dollars. By staying at home in the state and being deposited into the public bank, which would get marked up, issued out as lines of credit to finance infrastructure projects, creating public sector jobs, which in turn generates new income taxes that gets redeposited back into the public bank. Where when that goes to pay off the principal, while the low interest charge toward goes towards building a surplus, that surplus would be generated without having to raise existing taxes or create new taxes and goes toward funding things like such social safety net programs, be they education, healthcare, a single payer healthcare, internet access, universal internet access, UBI, state versions of federal regulatory and social safety net agencies. The third argument is uh, um, against uh, state by state that you hear is uh, you're leaving people who don't live in ballot initiative states out, and therefore you're saying you don't care about the rest of us. My response to that is, first, I don't live in a ballot initiative state either. However, I do believe that if I am not able to get it here, I can help my brother and my sister who do live in a ballot initiative state to get it done there. That will put pressure on state lawmakers of non-ballot initiative states like New York and Pennsylvania to do as well. So that is not being selfish, but actually being selfless. Usually when things starts in the states, it usually is started in the ballot initiative states, then spreads to the non-ballot initiative states. Maybe if we all who live in non-ballot initiative states help those in ballot initiative states get this done, we can speed up the process. Also to believe and also to believe in the national strategy, you must believe that the federal government is going to pass single payer, and I'm just not convinced that they're going to, going to do it. Matter of fact, the feds convinced me otherwise. It's time for another strategy because what do they call trying to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result? Once we get the ball rolling, it's going to build momentum from ballot initiative state to ballot initiative state, where lawmakers in non-ballot initiative states will feel the heat and the pressure to do it themselves. Four, every time, the other argument you hear is, every time it is attempted at state level, it fails. It takes energy away from the national single payer movement. My response to that is, the national strategy has already accomplished that before. Before I came along talking a new strategy, people already gave up any hope of single payer at the national level. I want you to understand something. Teddy Roosevelt, not Franklin, Teddy, more than 100 years ago, was the first to suggest a national health care plan. We suggested it, and all the other countries implemented it, and we're still here without it. Now, when I come along and show them there is another way, and they have the power to actually pass it into law, you know, doing a, using the ballot initiative, then you see that fire get reinvigorated within them. And because they see now they can take action because they have power. So it is important that with every policy that we push at state level, that we include with it a policy for public banking. Uh, it is not anything. It is not anything you want to see happen at the state and local level. You have to see it at the federal level first, but it's quite the opposite. We got police accountability done at the state level. Romney care done at the state level. 
right to collective bargaining that they just amended the Illinois Constitution. They finished counting it. So they got a right to collective bargaining state level, cannabis legalization state level, minimum wage at state level, abortion at state level, tax the rich at state level, ranked choice voting at state level, public banking at state level all happened at the state level first. And the federal government has yet to tackle any of those things. Now, that was what I was going to read before. Now, to respond to what was just being said before. One second. Um, yes, I just want to add something and say that for people asking about public banks, North Dakota has public banks. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a way around that. And, and the thing is, is like you can get that on the ballot, too. Yep. Like it's just it's. These things like what Roger just said about these things being done on the federal level, like I said, as long as you have corporate money, especially as long as politicians are taking money from big pharma, we are not going to get single payer. They're not going to go against their donors. That's that's just a fact. That's just a reality. And I'll tell you another thing. Bernie Sanders knew that, too. Bernie Sanders knew that. Bernie Sanders knew he didn't have the votes for it. Yeah, he said he would do it by executive order, order but they could veto it. Congress would just veto it just like that. And he knew he didn't have the votes for it. So these are the pieces. We're not trying to discourage people or disappoint people. We're trying to tell you the pieces that were not told to us back when Bernie Sanders was running that we realized later on, you need to know all of it. You need to know all the details. People need to stop getting their hopes up about these, these hopes and dreams and not knowing all the red tape that you have to deal with to get these things accomplished. So people need to know the truth. Go ahead, Roger. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, the Marxists. I wasn't saying that Romney Care was like socialist or anything like that. I was just making the point that I was just reading the comment. I was just making the point that it started at the state level and then it went federal. That that's the right. point I was making. But right. So for people who um, who don't understand Obamacare, that actually started here in Massachusetts first. Do you see? You see what Roger is saying? It started at the state level first. And that's how you got Obamacare. It was Romney Care here in Massachusetts, and then it became Obamacare on the federal level. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, the Green Party started July 2001. Um, just let you know. Um, also, that was all good, but you was, I guess, you know, like, I understand where you were coming from, Gilbert, and everybody else, but, but at the same time... Um, we don't need parties. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we might like the Green Party and all that different type of stuff, and they got good policies, and they're more this and so on and so forth. Hey, I mean, look, NPP uh, wasn't for reparations, but Green Party was. That's the reason why a lot of Black people left NPP. They were the first to go. They was the first to be out, okay? I'm not saying the Green Party is bad. I just have something just against parties, period, because from their very design, from their very inception, they are designed from jump for self-preservation and to look out for the party interests first and the public interests second. And as long as you have, so I understand what socialist alternative, I understand why they don't want to be a party. That makes a lot of sense to me because they know that once you become a party, things change. You see what I'm saying? And by their very design, parties look out for themselves first and eventually get to the public interest um also uh uh 
the um oh yeah yeah so yeah don't try not to focus on parties but focus on building co-ops focus on because that will be the future if if you do want to build a party okay or if you or you want to go to a party abolition or whatever the case is build co-ops to be the funding arm of a party or of a candidate okay because you have to go to the money source first a lot i think of it as it's not that the big money is the problem it's the source where that big money is coming from and that big money is coming from interests that don't represent us now if you had a network a proliferation of cooperatives that actually represent us in the workplace then that big money would come from us you see what i'm saying so it's like i said i look at what's behind where the money is coming from not exactly the money itself um and the thing about the the, the uh the uh, ftx thing that um someone else was mentioning or whatever all this is is just another the most recent uh, 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 chapter in um, in in the the failures of capitalism. Okay, I've been through the 1987 savings and loan scandal. I've been through the 2000 dot com crash. I've been through the 2008 subprime mortgage crash. It's finding a way to make money off of money without actually really producing anything that contributes to society. So when people was talking about crypto and so on and so forth. I was just like, yeah, give it a minute. Matter of fact, you know what? On um, Laura on Hardlands Media today was talking about how, um, yeah, she was talking about the, yeah, she was talking about the FTX thing. And she said that, you know, the federal government is not doing anything to regulate. So she was talking about how um, states are coming together and forming coalitions to try to regulate this, you know, this, this market or whatever it is that FTX was doing. So even even the state lawmakers is just like, well, hell, we're going to have to step up to the plate. I mean, like, for instance, New York, like, you know, of the Federal Consumer Financial Protection uh, Bureau, we have the same thing. It's called the, Dep the New York State Department of Financial Services that does the same thing, but on a state level. So it's just like you have to add in this redundancy of protection. You know, you got the EPA. New York State has the Department of Environmental Protection or conservation you, you see what i'm saying so you have to you you these are the the different things that that we have to do and just just wanted to add one last thing i think all of us here who live in ballot initiative states maybe um can make a pledge this january to file for a ballot initiative to get on the ballot in 2024 whatever whatever it is that you decide to put on you know, put on a public bank also to make sure that it undergirds. It. That's right. That's right. You know, I know. I, I do want to make sure I bring in um Aish. Um, Aish, you're a caller. You have to unmute. Um, because I know you've been waiting a minute. Just have to hit unmute. Okay, I invited you as a speaker. I'm going to go move on to. The next call. Let me go ahead and bring in Dave. Dave, you just have to unmute. Hello. Oh, we can't hear you, Dave. Okay, maybe I need to make you 
a speaker as well. Sometimes this happens. Hi. Okay, Dave. Hey. Okay, I can hear you. Go ahead. Hi, Savvy. How are you guys doing tonight? Hope you're well. Good. Yeah, I've just been taking in all the, you know, a lot of good discussion tonight. I've been taking in all the, the waveforms and, uh, and undulations and movement of the political strategy being discussed, like, here. Uh, great. Nice to hear Roger's presentation on, um, on cooperatives related to public and public banks in relation to political movement. That was, uh, that was cool. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not sure I have much of a comment. I mean, my thing would, I, I would say that, uh, I, uh, I think it, I, I don't want to, maybe there's a couple other call, callers still hit 1230. Um, I'm tired, but, um, I don't know. I think, I think it, it, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different pieces. This, I, I just, I think people have too much. One thing I'll point out is there's a lot of inflation right now. The U.S. dollar is on very shaky ground as the as other countries reorganize themselves and with the amount of war especially the war in eastern europe so i think people should not you, you cannot believe the unemployment numbers you can't believe the you know any of your state budget accounts that's not that's not a real number the what they say the stock market is worth that's not a real number all this it's very much like a a, a weimar life situation in, in some ways in the United States right now. So don't don't believe the like when they say numbers like this this billion's going there, this billion's going there, or our credit, we can get this much credit, or we can swap that. I mean at, at the high levels it's in major crisis right now. Because everything's been bid up incredibly like that. Houses houses are not worth what they houses are not selling for some people can buy houses, but they're not, the houses are worth 1.5 million in Boston. No, people aren't buying those for 1.5 million cash. They're, the only way they're buying them is with, you know, some kind of weird mortgage thing. And those banks are also failing some ways. They're insolvent right now. So that's what I would urge people don't believe the numbers you hear, uh, on TV or on the, any media. So. Yeah, you really can't believe those numbers because that's what I've been telling people all this time. Joe Biden has been saying that, um, you know, he's creating more jobs and the economy's doing great. And at the same time, I'm seeing people being laid off left and right. People are still being laid off. And keep in mind, when we think about the unemployment numbers as well, that doesn't include people that live with their parents that are unemployed. So right. if, if you're an adult and you live with your parents, but you don't have a job, you're not counted in that number. So that's something to keep yeah. in mind. I do want to make sure I bring in a kid. Uh, you have to unmute. Um, I think that's a kid or Eric. Sorry. Hey, Savvy. Yeah. There? Go ahead. Hey, Savvy, you there? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, cool. I've been waiting for the for a long time because that, that one dude had you going for a while there. I forgot, I forget his name, but the guy with the the Che Guevara thing on this on this little picture thing had you going. Hey, so I, I wanted to hit a few topics, I mean, a few points as quick as I can because I know not a lot of time and you've been on for a few hours. So 
first, I just want to say, you know, you killed it on the receipts that you had for uh, the guy from Status Coop. And, <laughs> and I love, you know, one of the things that I love about RBN, especially you, because you're so sincere, but you're also very tactful when you need to be your, your, very eloquent in your message and how you're tactful and you don't come across as being overwhelming. Uh, like myself, I can be very overwhelming sometimes, but, but you don't do that. And, and you have a way about you. That's just the right way. So I, and, and, but still being very genuine and, and dropping the F bomb when it needs to be dropped. And, and I appreciate that about you very, very much. So thank you for oh, doing thank that. You. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. You know, I wanted to touch a couple of things. You know, I was radicalized a little bit by Bernie. You know, I canvassed for him. I donated money for the guy. And because of him, I learned a lot, along with, you know, over the last few years from RBN and other shows that brought me to you, including Jimmy Dore. Each one of these shows and platforms has basically opened my mind to, to where I am today. So I could not have been here or my mind or the paradigm that's changed inside of my brain to be able to look at the possibilities of what we should have as Americans and just people in general. Had Bernie not been there, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So for that, I have to thank him for that. And I think there's probably millions of other people like me in the same way. If they're not where I am today because they haven't heard you, Savvy, or RBN, or others, they will, and I hope that they will in, in, in times to come. But Bernie did serve a purpose for that. What he didn't have was he didn't have, when the, when the rubber met the road, he did not have the, the, the fortitude to go after the people that were really, you know, basically bringing them down, which is the Democratic Party. And he did not stand with the, the millions of people like myself who were behind them. He did not stand with us. And with the revolution that he was professing to push for, push forward, he was not there. He left us. And we would have been there for him all, you know, thick and thin had he pushed forward with without the Democrats. But he chose not to. And so we are where we are today. But he brought us to where we are to some degree. And I have to thank him for that. And simultaneously, I can call him, you know, that he didn't have the balls or the guts to, to get us further. But I can recognize that he got me, at least me, and I, I, I believe many others, uh, to where we are today. Uh, and so I think your strategy is on, on the ball. You know, instead of creating a new third party, we can use the avenues that are already there. Like you said, Savvy, it would take years, decades to get on these ballots, right? So we could use the Green Party and what we need to do with them and what they need to do, too, is some self-evaluation. Because they also have a lot of fault. They have not used their platform in a way that's more ma marketable. That's right. And, and marketing takes strategy. And it, and it takes a lot of self-awareness to t look at yourself in the mirror. What is it that you're trying to accomplish on whose behalf? And having the balls, you know, for the lack of a better word, the fortitude to be strategic and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to make some hardcore decisions who we're going to put on these ballots, who's going to be uh, really charming and great communicators that we're going to be able to pull people and attract them to us so that we can push 
for all these things that we need to do. They need to do that. And they need to be inclusive of people that are more hardcore on the left. Mm-hmm. The Green Party does. And then we, on the, on the left, we who believe that, you know, that could make a change, we need to start being open to them and maybe partnering up with them in a way that would be beneficial to us and to them. Right. That will that would take, you know, a lot of paradigm shifts from us and them on the Green Party itself. But it's it's there for the taking. These are things that are very doable and that could be done over the next five years. You know, we can change a lot in a matter of five years, just like Bernie changed. So people's so many people's minds in that period of time. So could we if we hit the right targets. So I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, and then lastly, Hakeem, that guy Hakeem is is a POS. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, I wrote this down, I believe that Nancy Pelosi is leaving because the powers above her strategically are pushing her and having her move away because they need to clean the plate and bring others along is what I think. Thank you, Savvy. Keep up the good work. Well said, Akid. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Green Party does need help. They do need work. I've, I've talked to Green Party members about this. I've talked to Justin has called into the show multiple times. He's a part of the Green Party. He said that, like, we need to win more. And he said that, like, we need more people. We need more help. And honestly, like, they really need better marketing. They need better PR, better advertising, but it's not just the Green Party. That's every third party. And by the way, I want to add this here as well, because some people will chime in and say Working Families Party. The Working Families Party (laughs) is not really a third party. And the Working Families Party, what I have seen at least this year, instead of supporting the working class candidates that have ran as progressives, they were supporting corporate Democrats. They endorsed Chuck Schumer. They endorsed like a corporate Democrat over Amani Oakley in New Jersey. So the Working Families Party is not a separate, it's just a funnel through the Democratic Party. So there are things about the Green Party that does need to change and does need improvement. Number one, they got to stop running. Howie Hawkins does not need to run for office again, ever. He's This man has run for office so many times. He never wins. He's not a good pick. He's not engaging. He's not a, a, a great speaker. Like, I'm just going to be real here. They need someone who is a powerhouse, who is passionate. And from what I've seen, Jill Stein was really the best they had. Like, she really was. Or, or they could use a Cynthia McKinney, although Cynthia doesn't live in the U.S. anymore. But if she came back to the U.S., they could use a Cynthia McKinney. I think it was foolish of them not to have Jesse Ventura and to have Howie Hawkins instead. I think that was absolutely foolish. So they do need to make some changes. There are some things and adjustments that need to be made there as well. And I do want to bring in um, Free Assange will be the last caller. But Marco, I want to make sure you get more time to speak as well, because I know you didn't um, get to finish what you were saying. You just have to unmute. If you're still um, there, there. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm here, but uh, Free Assange can go first. It's okay. Okay, Free Assange, just have to unmute. There you go. Right, I'll try to keep it quick. I wanted to push back a little bit about what uh, Erica said. I agree with mostly everything he said, but I don't think we should give, you know, Bernie credit, you know, because I think, you know, it is it is what it looks like it is. 
and I, I fell for it and I, you know, I feel bad giving money to them and trying to tell people to vote for them and say, have hope. And, you know, I feel bad, but I think we have to just acknowledge, like, we should give uh, credit to where credit's due. If somebody teaches you something, then you can give credit to that. But I think we have to uh, be a little bit more, you know, disciplined and be like, okay, where did we go wrong with, with Sanders? Why did, why did we believe in him? Well, he was the best of the options. And then it's like, well, dang, we kind of did the lesser of two evils. Like, well, we didn't really think he was evil. But then, oh, what about his foreign policy votes in the past? Oh, well, he's a little bit better than the rest of them. So then I think it stops us from learning that lesson. Not to just, you know, be overly negative. Because I know there's a problem with that. Sometimes when you're just too negative, you don't want to do anything. So I don't want to just just, uh, harp on people. But I do think we got to learn some lessons. And... um, like the, uh, I didn't have any Green Party candidates on my ballot. I didn't have a single one, and I'm in California, and I was, you know, I was disappointed. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I we only had one Libertarian. It wasn't we didn't have Peace and Freedom. We had we only had one of the thing. I can't even remember what it was. It was Libertarian. I voted. I don't even really support Libertarians, but I'm just like I gotta so support third party. I, I was going into the voting thinking I'm gonna support all third party, and all I got was one. And it was libertarian, <laughs> you know, like, but, um, so local level. So, but the one thing about the local level is the, uh, getting money out of politics. I think that has to be a, a constitutional amendment. So I agree local level is definitely the solution, but I think with, for that particular issue, I don't know, I, is the constitutional amendment the only way I, that's, that's the way I see it. Or, yeah, because, uh, the Democrats on the federal level voted against, uh, not taking dark money. That was recent. Recently that happened. So that's why I keep telling people it's that's not changing. And so something has to change here. And I'm surprised, Free Assange, that in California, considering how things have been in California economically, because I've talked to a couple of people that used to live in California and they they fled within like the past two years. I talked to people that left California and moved to places like Texas. And they said economically like, yo, I just couldn't afford to live there anymore. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy to me how people in California are still like, yes, vote blue no matter who. And economically things are not getting better for people. Like it's it's still crazy to me how that nothing has changed in, in that respect. People here, I, I feel like, to me, the best way I can see it is they think they're Europeans. Like, they don't even think they live in America anymore. They think, like, well, we have to vote Democrat because that's the polite, civilized thing to do. Even if everything bad thing you say is true about them, they're just a t- teeny, tiny bit better than the Republicans. And they don't they don't really need to base it on anything. And they'll, they'll look for, like, 10 minutes on BuzzFeed or something like, hey, look, bow, I got something. Some type, some type of something we uh, fish fry, you know, some like something really small, and they'll be like, "All right, gotcha." Democrats are a little bit better, and that's all they need. They know everything we know as much as we give them crap. Well, not everything, but they know it's like, man, this is this is a, a one big game. But they feel I don't know, like it's this fear. It's not, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, privilege is part of it. But a lot of people don't even have the privilege, but they still act like they got the privilege. So they, I don't know how what, how you talk about that. Maybe they want it. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Go ahead, Marco. Sorry. Yeah, you know, something I really want to see is like RBN setting up chapters. What if every RBN chapter had 
multiple worker cooperatives part of the chapter. Like, like if you can seize the means of production, if you can seize your workplace and control the profits of your workplace, you would have more than enough money to do all the organizing you want. Like, what, what if people came to RBN because they gave them a job? Like, I would love to see that. I would love to help you all organize actually seizing the means of production in your city and actually like having the money and the resources to do everything you want. Yeah, well, CJ's chapter is already set up. Good. Like CJ's, well, well, yeah, yes. CJ needs to have like like a, a, a factory or, or a convenience store or, or well, something he, in, in part of RBN. Well, he does have uh, a location. So CJ does have a location for his, like they can actually meet in person um, at a physical location. I, I don't know which building it is, but CJ has explained this. Um, but his his chapter is set up and ready to go. Um, mine should be ready to go within the next two weeks. Um, I'll be sending the, like I said, I got to send the announcement out via my newsletter. So you guys, if you're not signed up for my newsletter, sign up for that because I'm not, I can't rely on Twitter to send that announcement because I don't even know if Twitter is going to be here in the next three days. So a lot of those things are going out through my newsletter. And for people who want to be volunteers and want to help. Um, but, and then of course, Rome already, Rome has had local, Rome started tour for the poor locally first. So Rome already has like a group in Detroit and Michigan. In fact, he's going to Flint. Uh, I think within the next week or so, he's going to Flint. And then after Flint, he's going to Oakland, California. So Rome, you know, we all got this from Rome is what people have to understand. Rome had already been doing tour for the poor before we were RBN. So he had already started that. And that's where we got all this from. And uh, Nick is working with KC Tenants. I know he's doing stuff with them in Kansas City. And... JB is in Orlando. Now JB is also on dialysis. So for JB, it may be a little bit longer before he can get something going. But if you're in that area, I'm just going to tell you, JB is going to need some help. You know, like he can't go out like on days when he has dialysis, like he can't be going out like that. So. Right, right. So like what if all yeah. the other RBM chapters had functioning, profitable worker co-ops? then the money from those co-ops could go to fund JB. Could go, you know what I mean? Like if y'all if if y'all connect together and and like have businesses that produce profit, then you would have all the money you need to do your organizing. So that would be the part this is great, Marco. Like that would be the part we would need help with. I would love to help you with that. I would, I can, I would love to help you with that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, I have an idea. So, all right. So check this out. All right. Um, you know how when they they always talk about these politicians, and you know the news always talks about how uh, the economy is doing, and whether or not the economy is doing great, and so on and so forth. Well. We have to change that language and get them to replace that because the reason why I say that is because um, when they speak about the economy, 
they're not talking about what they usually talk about. I mean, besides Wall Street, what they usually talk about is people's purchasing power. So when they see purchasing power up, they go, oh, well, people must be doing good. But that's a bait and switch because the reason why people have purchasing power is because they're using credit cards. And the reason why people mm-hmm. are using credit cards is because their paychecks are at the South Pole and the cost of living is at the North Pole. So it's the illusion that people are doing good. Oh, the economy is good. We have to replace that with what we originally used, which is did the income inequality divide widen over the past month or did it narrow? So I have about I have an idea for a ballot initiative, right? To create a state agency that measures, you know, you could have it in within the Department of Labor, or you can just have it outside just a new agency that measures did income inequality in your state widen or did it narrow over the past month? Now, number two, yeah, um, free Assange. Look, you live in California. You live in a ballot initiative state. You don't see, you don't like the way things are going or whatever the case is. You got the power to amend your state constitution, pass California law, uh, and veto what the state government passes. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but that's more power than what I got. I can't do that shit where I'm at. So if you're not feeling what you see over there on, on the thing or whatever, on, you know, the third party, only the libertarians were there, whatever the case is, well, skip over that and figure out what policies that you want to see passed and just, you know what, boom, we're going to file for this. And just like I said, all of us in these non-ballot initiative states need to help you, okay? Um, and three, Marco, I want to know, how can I get in contact with um, uh, Jessica? Because she's over here in... in with with me in, in in New York, so you know, like I, I want I want to you know like pick her mind pretty much since she's like a teacher, whatever the case is. If there's some type of contact information, so yeah, yeah, you know, I just got I just got her email off of um, her like um, the the university she works for. I think it's I forget where it is, but it's like the Cooney. I just found no, her on the Cooney. internet. Yeah. She's like she she's a she's a worker cooperative scholar. She's like she's one of my heroes. She wrote a really good book, Collective Courage. Like she's really easy to get a hold of. So like if you want to send me an email, I can give you her email. But I just got her email off the internet. I guess you could send it to Sabrina, and I guess Sabrina. Well, I have it. Yes, Sabrina. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. So like if, if every RBN chapter had multiple worker cooperatives that were funding it that would be it and then like we just need to go national like rbn starts with five chapters and then they go national like it doesn't take a lot of money you just need to be organized it only takes one to three percent of the population organized to get whatever you want Mm-hmm. And we've lost that organization because the New Deal was a deal with the devil and it killed the communist movement. It killed the socialist movement. It killed the, co-op, the union co-op movement. We need to revitalize it. And we need to. And here we are talking about all this stuff together and we need to bring it together. Yeah. And by the way, you guys, if you go to Democracy at Work on YouTube, they talk about this stuff all the time. They talk about worker co-ops like all the time, like. Um, I mean, Richard Wolf, some of the videos I play a lot of times, he's just talking about like capitalism, but, um, 
also on that same channel, there's like different videos about worker co-ops and stuff like that too. So yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, Free Assange. I hundred percent agree with uh, what Marco's talking about. Like we need, you know, institutional power, capital power, in order to, you know, take care of ourselves and you know our people, our communities. You know, we got to build ourselves up too. And I think another uh, elephant we're missing in the room is the culture, because what what is that one thing that can unify a lot of us? Like the three percent. Like, what is this 3% of people are we all going to rally around, you know? And it's like, I think we need something, some type of, you know, uh, fraternity, sorority, some type of, I don't know, some type of culture shift where, tri- I don't want to say tribalism, but something like that. Maybe, you know, tribal futurism, tribal punkism, I don't know. You know, something, <laughs> we need something. Type of punkism. Unity, solidarity, but make it cool. But, but- but here's the thing, for your sons, you you already have the power. You, you feel what I'm saying? You could get people together in your community, in your state, to start to file for a ballot initiative to to do whatever it is that you want. Now, um, Dave Human, let me just um, respond because he was asking a question. Here's the thing, because he was asking, wouldn't the state legislature and the um and the, and the governor, uh, Chad? Yeah, I'm interested in that, Roger. On, on what you think about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, no. Okay. So check this out. Here's the thing. Be very specific. Are you asking me about um, when it comes to amending the state constitution or passing a law? Because those are two I, I, I understood your layout of it, like how some BIs amend the state constitution, others are in order to pass a law. Others have some restrictions on, and in different states, it can be pushed back on in different ways, like interact with the legislature okay. in a different way, but I don't, I don't understand the details okay, so reviews so me... details of that. Like, so I, was, I was just thinking of the danger of organized money, like, pushing back against a BI oh. that we passed or something. We just passed a good one in Massachusetts a few weeks ago. So, yeah. So, so let me answer the best way I can. First, always know, no matter which way you go, you will always be fighting big money. There's really no way around it, but people still get people still get ballot initiatives on the on the ballot. Okay, yeah, so that's one. Number two, and it's very important, everyone understand this. With the 23 states that allows for citizen ballot initiatives, I just want you to understand: all 50 states are ballot initiative states, but only 23 allow citizen voters to put initiatives on the ballot. Okay. Um, so when it comes to amending the state constitution, do you know who ratifies it? Isn't it officials? It's not, it's not the public at large, is it? No, it's the public. It's oh, it is? Public. Okay. Okay. So it's another ballot vote? It's another ballot vote? Okay. So, so, so yeah. let, me, let me tell you the process. Okay. So the state... So let's say, for instance, you say, um, you, you let's say if you live in a ballot initiative state, right? Oh, actually, you do, don't you? Don't you? Are you in Massachusetts? I forgot where you are. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yep. right. Okay, so let's say, for instance, you say term limits for state lawmakers. And I don't know if your governor has term limits, but anyway, term limits for your state lawmakers, right? So you get that into the Constitution. Um, you, put it, you put it as a ballot initiative for voters to, to ratify. Boom, it goes into the Constitution. 
and and state lawmakers cry a bitch and say, oh, I don't want that, I don't want that. So what they what they do is they have to pass an amendment, um, whatever your process is in, in Massachusetts, they have to pass an amendment. And then once it's passed, then they put it before the voters and say, hey, can we repeal, weaken, or alter the ballot initiative that you pass? And usually the voters will just say, go fuck yourself, okay? Because that's what just happened in a few states where they tried to... Um, I think it was Arkansas. They tried to um, they tried to say, okay, uh, we want to amend the Constitution, and um, so that this was put before the voters. I think it was Arkansas. Yeah, we want yeah I heard about the Arkansas thing a little, just a little bit about it. Yeah. So we want to put before the voters to say that in order to amend the Constitution, whether the initiative is put before us by the legislature or put before by the voters to ratify. It needs 60%. So you look at it and go, okay, well, that's not bad because the legislature is asking 60% as well as they're requesting 60% to pass an amendment using a ballot initiative from the voters as well. Okay, but then they said same thing for when the voters want to pass a state law. But what they left out was it's what they didn't put in there is 60% for them to pass a state law the traditional way. So the voters said, go fuck yourself. Okay. So if uh-huh. it is, if it, if it has to do with is it two rounds, then is it two rounds with every, it depends on the state, but in the end, when it comes right. to um, them wanting for you to um, alter the constitution, right? It still got to be put before the voters. The voters are always involved in the ratification process and have the final say when it comes to amending the state constitution, no matter what state you live in. Now, okay. Are you, Roger, can I ask you, are you sure that's the way it's, I mean, I believe you, are you I believe that's the law and I believe you, you know the law, but are you sure that's the way it shook out in the, in the ballot that it passed and they went to constitutional verification? Are you sure? That it took out that way in those states because we I've seen violate like in Maine they violated like state legislature violated uh violated some uh people's referendum votes there and like even according to the law they they ignored the law in Maine one time recently but yeah Dave can you hear me yeah yeah okay right listening to you yeah So, so check it out I was just about to mention that. Maine does not allow you to use the ballot initiative to amend your constitution. Uh-huh. There are six. There are six states that allow. That, there are six ballot initiative states that only allow you to use the ballot initiative to pass laws and do veto referendums. Okay, those states would be Maine, Washington State, Utah, Alaska, Idaho, Wyoming. Okay, so when it's a law, they can they can say, oh, we don't like your law. We're going to repeal it or we're going to um, we're going to alter it, alter it. We're going to weaken it. Okay. however, here's the thing. They also have the power to do a veto referendum, the voters. So the voters can do a veto referendum to repeal the repeal of their initiative, snapping their original initiative back into place. You follow me? Yeah, yeah, I follow you. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
So all right, uh, so I understand. Something I want to say here. I understand. Thank you, Ryan. The, the people united will never be defeated. The so Virginia teacher strike was illegal. The union movement in the 1980s to the 1930s was illegal. When the people come together, they get whatever they want. If BNSF striked, they would get whatever they want because they run the country. So like a lot of these nuances between what's legal and what's not kind of goes up in the air when the people come together. If the people organized fight against the power, they get whatever they want every single time. That's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. That's the point. That's the point. I do have to head out, you guys. It's getting kind of late. Um, but I do just want to say um, I am going to do probably starting next week, each night I'm going to do a breakdown of each ballot initiative state. So like Monday might be Alabama or something. I guess I'll just go in alphabetical order. And I'll do a breakdown about how it works in their state and what passed this time around. I think it would be a lot better for people if I break it down state by state per show. Because I did a ballot initiatives panel, but it's a lot to unpack if you don't really fully understand it. So, so I think each state, state by state will be best. And I also want to take um, one night to talk about how you can possibly try to make your state a ballot initiative state. Because I think it'll be best if I do it that way. Because like I said, like each state is different. Some are direct states, some are indirect states. Some can okay. appeal their constitutional um can amend their constitution, right? So I'm going to break that down. And I think that'll help people a lot, help people understand better. But I, I am going to head out because it is getting late. But you guys have a good weekend. And thanks so much for tuning in.